This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of Stranger Things. Damask Leary, how are you doing? Oh, pretty swell. That's good. Pretty swell. Pretty swell. <laughs> uh, how are you? Uh, yeah, good, good. Really can't complain. Feeling good. Ready to talk about Stranger Things. Woohoo. Let's get into it. Spoiler warning on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of Stranger Things. Before listening, we recommend watching all of Stranger Things. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been Warned. Some facts and figures for you. Stranger Things is a Netflix original sci-fi horror series created by Matt and Ross Duffer, aka the Duffer Brothers, best known for their work on, well, Stranger Things, really. They were relatively unknowns beforehand, having only worked on feature film Hidden and written on TV series Wayward Pines. Have you heard of any of those things? That's a negative. Yeah, me either. A complete first season was released all at once on July 15th, 2016, and quickly had a significant critical and pop cultural impact, fostering more conversation and positive attention than many summer uh, blockbusters released around it. Do you remember what was released that summer? I've got a bit of a list here I on this no one. I have no idea. Yeah, what let's was see. Released? Let's see. Two thousand summer of two thousand sixteen was pretty shit. Civil War was a good start. Ooh. Then we had the Angry Birds movie. <laughs> Classic. Um, Alice with Looking Glass. X Men Apocalypse. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows. Um, Warcraft movie, uh, Finding Dory, which was really disappointing, mm. um, Independence Day Resurgence. Um, Did you ever watch that? No. Yeah, me either. I want to, though, because I like the first, the original. The BFG, The Legend of Tarzan, um, Secret Life of Pets, Ghostbusters was released on the same day. Right. Um, so just a group of films Star that Trek none of us Beyond will ever forget. That's good to know. Jason Bourne and then Suicide Squad to and Sausage Party. Listen, really shit fucking summer box office that one. Yeah, that's terrible. So you can see kind of why Stranger Things was like, oh my god, something we can actually enjoy this summer. Something we can sing the, our teeth into. I think yeah. it's really funny it was released on the same day as Ghostbusters, though, because both are basically aping off 
an, an existing property or properties or genres at the very least, mm. and one does a good job of it and one doesn't, unfortunately. Well, yeah, both are kind of cashing in on nostalgia and one of them does that really well. Absolutely, totally. Uh, the, this love letter to the 80s, as we were saying, uh, certifiable trend in film and television now, it seems, features a large core cast, including, okay, excuse me on this, there's a few interesting names here, Finn Wolford, Millie Bobby Brown, Gatton Matarazzo, Caleb McLaughlin, uh, Natalia Dyer, Charlie Heaton, Matthew Modine, Noah Schnapp, Joe Keery, David Harbour, and Winona Ryder as the eternally wide-eyed Joyce Byers. I love watching Brod's face as he tries to read out names. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Apologies to anyone that I mispronounced there. Season <laughs> so one, everyone. He's ev- sorry everyone, everyone yeah. especially Winona Ryder. Season yeah. one consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 49 minutes and took us approximately six hours and 35 minutes to watch. Damas Cleary. Yes, Broderick Gordon. Do you have one of your famous story synopsis for us? I do. Woohoo! I do indeed. And folks, this is probably going to be a long one. So if you don't want to listen to it, can't be bothered, you know the story, just skip ahead. I won't be offended. I will be offended, but let's, let's pretend <laughs> I won't be. Just don't tell her and she doesn't have to be offended. <laughs> That's right. Don't tweet me directly. I'll just let you know, Damas, which tweet ahead. Yep, good. All right, here we go. The season one rundown of Stranger Things. A man is being pursued through a hall. He manages to reach the elevator, but it's too late. His pursuer is already there. We see the terror in his eyes, and then we cut to four young dudes sitting around a table playing a spectacularly lively game of D&D. And are they metagaming? It feels a little metagamey with Lucas and Dustin telling Will what move to make while the Demogorgon just kind of waits. I don't know. Anyway, the boys enjoy their game, but sadly it's home time, and they all ride off into the night as Mike waves them goodbye. Dustin, the hilarious sage of the group, makes it home. Lucas, the non-stopping annoying complaint machine, makes it home. And Will, the sensitive caring boy, does too. Unfortunately, he's being hunted by the creature from the beginning. He runs around his house looking for someone to help him. But sadly, his older brother Jonathan and hard-working badass Mum Joyce are both at work. All alone, poor Will disappears without a trace. Mama Joyce, wait, no, I can't use that nickname because that's a character from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, I guess we'll just call her Joyce or Badass Mama. Anyway, Joyce realises that her son is missing and raises the alarm. She reaches out to Hopper, the gruff and drunk chief of police. The poor guy has his own problems though. He lost a kid and subsequently his marriage a few years ago and now he's a big old mess. But he does his duty and starts looking for Will. His first stop is to the school to have a chat with Mike, Lucas and Dustin. And by chat, I mean he beats them all to death while screaming, don't you do anything to mess up my investigation, you little turds. They heed his advice for approximately two minutes before deciding to look for their friend on their own. While out exploring in the woods, they stumble upon a young girl with a shaven head and wearing a hospital gown. Being upstanding dudes, they take the stray home where they make her an adorable little pillow fort and feed her nothing but egos. The kids think it's probs best to involve an adult, but the girl whose name is Eleven, FYI, says, Nope, no way, adults are the worst and I'm bound to fall back in the hands of some Joseph Mengel psycho. And before Mike can put forth a counter-argument, Eleven starts pointing out every picture of Will in the house while screaming, I know that dude, he's fucked. Meanwhile, Joyce, the greatest mother of all time, is getting some super creepy phone calls. They're all static and whimpering, but Mama knows best and she figures it's her boy trying to reach out. Everyone thinks she's crazy, including Hopper, but she just tells him to piss off and hangs up 5,000 Christmas lights. You know, like a non-crazy person would do. 
Oh, and I forgot to mention that while all this is going on, Mike's big sister Nancy is off getting her cherry popped by a cool fella and hairspray fiend Steve. While Nancy is busy dealing with the crushing realisation that sex isn't life-changing and she can't escape the mundanity of her life no matter how many penis she pursues, her BFF Barb is taken by the evil creature as well. Thankfully though, Jonathan, Will's older brother, was in the woods taking creepy photos of them all, and he saw her vanish. So the kids go out looking for Will, and Eleven is having a flashback every three to five seconds. She has seen some shit. First she's forced to crumple a Coke can with her mind, then she's asked to spy on some Russian guy for awesome Cold War secrets no doubt. I would write something more detailed there, but I don't know what the Cold War was. Seriously, someone please tell me what it was. Oh, and apparently deprivation tanks aren't just for people with too much money who suck at yoga and don't have a good acid hookup. Nope, they're also for government agencies to make little girls venture into dark dimensions. This particular experiment has some nasty side effects and causes a giant rip in between worlds that can only be described as a hymen with a serious bacterial infection. Gross. What else is happening? Ah yes, Hopper is poking his nose into the Hawkins lab, but when he reaches a dead end, he pokes his penis into a librarian. Well, he starts digging around some old newspapers and finds a story about a woman who claims the evil scientist stole her little girl because she could do stuff with her mind. And back to Joyce. She's sitting in her lounge room sending texts back and forth with Will, but a body has been found. That's right, Will's body is discovered in a quarry, but Joyce knows it isn't him. And Hopper is all rational, but the more he investigates, he realises that nothing really adds up, so he goes over to the morgue, punches a couple of dudes in the face, and then guts Will like a fish. But of course, it's a Will-shaped teddy bear filled with stuffing. Who didn't see that coming? Hopper's had just about enough of these shenanigans, so he goes on over to the lab, breaks in, and sees the cross-dimensional yeast infection. But blammo, he's attacked and then suddenly wakes up in his shitty house. He sets fire to all of his possessions before he finally looks behind a light fixture that says no secret recording devices here on it. And lo and behold, a recording device. He then rushes over to Joyce to tell her the news that they're being watched by a government agency with unspeakable power. Cool. Nancy and Jonathan have joined forces in order to hunt down the creature that has taken both Barb and Will. They go and buy some weapons and bullets because they live in America and it's their goddamn right to blow something's face off. And then they venture out into the woods where the creature has been seen. And they find it. These two bland slices of white bread actually manage to do something interesting. And they find a little hole into the upside down. Nancy sees the creature and defecates everywhere. But she manages to escape. And Dustin, Lucas, Mike and Eleven are using science and stuff to figure out the location of the gate. And Will. Except Eleven is being all shady and messes with the compasses that the guys are using. But Lucas, Lord of Complainville, calls her out on her shit. And then there's a tussle because when boys are upset they tend to push each other around. I don't know why, maybe all their repressed tears start building up and cut off circulation to their brains. Either way, Eleven has to break apart the boys and Lucas is flung around like a ragdoll. Everyone freaks out! Lucas wakes up and because he feels emasculated he loses his goddamn shit and storms off. And Eleven's had enough of the drama so she fucks off too. Lucas decides to look for Will and so he does. And Dustin and Mike go and look for Eleven. But she ends up finding them when they run into the town bully, aka young Ted Bundy, who has no quandaries about holding a knife to someone's throat. It's fucking psycho, right? 
Eleven breaks the kid's arm off and then shoves it up his ass. A just punishment for a bully, in my opinion. While Lucas is surveying the lab, he notices that a bunch of vans seem to be on the move. And he realises that they know about Eleven. So he warns the others. The gang all reunite and Eleven lifts the van with her fucking mind and everyone in the entire world applauds because it's badass. Now that they're being hunted, the kids find a hideout to lay low until they figure out what to do next. Meanwhile, Jonathan and Nancy are being forced to tell Hopper and Joyce about everything they know about the beast. Everything seems to be coming together when Hopper helps save the boys and Eleven from the men in black. Or more accurately for that scene, the men in bell-bottoms. They have made some interesting wardrobe choices. With everyone's powers combined, they all decide to put Eleven in a deprivation tank so she can have a chat to Will and Barb. She tells Will to hold on, and she tells Barb to... Well, she doesn't tell her anything because Barb's a little preoccupied having slugs make a nest in her mouth. Say la vie. Joyce and Hopper have decided they need to enter the Upside Down to get Will back, and they march off to the lab. And to help out, Jonathan and Nancy decide to be monster hunters again, but this time they have a plan. They've played plenty of Mousetrap and totally know what they're doing. The kids have been kind of abandoned, I guess, so they just eat lots of pudding. When Hopper and Joyce arrive at the lab, they get a very warm greeting. Joyce gets some manipulation based on her guilt and fear as a mother, and Hopper gets a punch in the face. But ultimately, the bad guys let them journey into the Upside Down because they are shit out of ideas. So they jump on through the axe wound from hell and find Will. He's not in great shape. And Jonathan and Nancy, plus her gross, kinder boyfriend Steve, are beating the monster to death and setting it on fire. Pretty cool, kids. Pretty cool. And the kids are having to run for their lives because the government baddies did a classic douchebag betrayal move. While the adults are off being awesome, the children are ready for the taking. But thankfully, Eleven is unstoppable and she just curses them all with eye menstruation. Watch out for those cramps. Unfortunately though, all that sweet wound blood has attracted our monster and everyone is rightly freaking the fuck out. But once again, Eleven has to save the day because everyone else is useless. She sacrifices herself and it is very sad and we all cry because god damn it, why couldn't she go to the snowball, huh? I mean, hasn't she been through enough? She can't have a slice of happiness, a glimmer of a normal life? Fuck this show, man. <laughs> Moving on, um, Will is safe, everyone seems to be good, but some mysteries still remain. Why is Hopper leaving Echoes out in the woods? What kind of slug creature did Will vomit up? And... Why the fuck does Joyce's boss even consider denying her a two-week advance on her salary? Her kid is missing, you piece of shit! The end. Wonderful, Damask. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> took it out of you, did it? It did, actually. Jesus. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, then. Time for some five-word summations before we get into our deep-dive discussion. What do you got for us, Damask? Look, I've thought really long and hard about this. That's a joke. I just wrote it then. Uh, my five-word summation is nostalgia reaches high modern standard. Nice. Nice. What's yours? I think of mine's kind of similar oh. in a way. Done, but done real well. Done, but done real well. As in this is being oh, it's done, been done and, but, but it's, it's been, been done, done real, real well. well. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. It's a Thank good little bit of wordplay yeah, there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Uh, so, some discussion points. Uh, let's just start with the obvious. What this show is. It's a Stephen King book mixed with a slasher film mm-hmm. and a Steven Spielberg film. 
They all yes. got together and had a little baby. They did. And what a baby it was. What a baby it was. Mm. God it, bless uh, it. It worked surprisingly well. And one of the things I thought about this is thinking back on it and like the show talks about its episode, like its episodes are sort of titled chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And while I don't think necessarily would break down to those sort of chapters in a book, it does, if you think about it as a whole thing, it could very easily just be a book that was adapted. It's mm-hmm. like they found a book, Stephen King book or something, that was never released and went, let's adapt that into a TV show. It's, it's pretty cool. It certainly has that like breadth breadth of a, of a real world that's been built. So it, do, yeah. it does have that sense of there's clearly so much going on that it, it I wouldn't be surprised to find there is some source material behind it, which, you know, for this show there isn't, which is, I think, an incredible feat for them well, to pull off. Well, I mean, it, it, uh, that's the thing. It kind of is because it's full of stolen ideas in one sense or <laughs> Using another. Using the word stolen, all right. I mean, I, mean, I only mean that in the sense that it is a show that is built on the foundations of other people's work, essentially. Mm-hmm. It, is, like, it is a nostalgia play from not just its setting, but in terms of the style of film that was coming out. Style, themes, themes, everything, yeah. Just the makeup of those different stories, Mm -hmm. your... Uh, you got the little kids that could easily be from like Stand By Me or The Goonies or E.T. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your slasher film uh, teenagers in the middle of that. And then you've got, uh, yeah, like a horror film Stephen King-esque um, thriller going on there as well. But they are like almost archetypes that are stolen wholesale from other things and just applying to this and mixed together. But that's done so well that it works. I mean, yes and no. I think the on paper the archetypes have been stolen, but what they have done to them is modernised them so that the audience isn't watching something that feels done or feels dated. What part of them is modernised? Uh, Joyce is certainly more of a modern female mother character. Um, I think we've seen that hysterical mum before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that she is. I always think of um, what's her name's character in The Shining. It's one of my favourite ones. Mm. She's great in. I uh, wish I knew that actress's name. I should look it up in a second. She was on Doctor Phil not too long ago. Was she? She's not doing well. Not doing well. Yeah. Stephen anyway. Kubrick, uh, uh, Kubrick did a real number on her. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um. And I think also, what's his name, Steve? I think that asshole character would normally just be a straight up asshole, and Definitely they agree find with the Steve one. a little yeah. bit more, like a more, more layers there. Yeah. Uh, what what other characters am I thinking of? Because like I, I look at Hopper, right, and mm. I love Hopper. I think mm-hmm. Hopper is a great character, really well performed by um, uh, David Harbour. Yes, um, it is. It is a character we have seen done verbatim, basically, that a mm-hmm. million times. The tortured cop who's now gone from working in the big sea to working in the sticks and sort of is half-assing his job, mm. drunk, divorced, um, and then finally is called into action when some real drama takes place and is obviously a good cop but is sort of battling his own demons. How many times has that pair yeah, been done? that's true. Doesn't matter, though, because it's great. And I love Hopper and I yeah. love that performance. But, like, just going a bit deeper than saying that it's great what about it to you um 
makes it shine or at least stand out compared to the ones that you've seen before? The thing is, I don't think it does stand out compared to the ones it does before. It's just an excellent example of why those characters work. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not... there. That's When I think about this, there's very little that stands out to me and goes... Or that, I, I think Steve is the best example, actually. I think the idea of the asshole pretty boy preppy boyfriend who should just be the arsehole pretty, pretty boy. he's actually got more layers to him than mm-hmm. you would normally see in say like a, a John Hughes film where they'd just be an asshole. although no that's not true either even John Hughes films tend to dive a little deeper but more often than not those characters uh, listen wait, John <laughs> I, Hughes, I, I rolled my eyes John, John Hughes is a whole other ball game I think he is a little bit overrated oh my god I said it I said John Hughes is overrated um I think but he honestly he, unless you grew up with them I'm pretty sure everyone kind of feels that way. Oh, good, anyway. excellent! I didn't realize that. Um, I do like I do like some of his stuff, but some of it is also gross. Yeah, I'm not calling him shit. I'm just saying like it yeah. doesn't really do anything for me. Sure. In that, in, anyway, getting back to the point, Steve could very easily be a two dimensional. Uh, the other guy, mm-hmm. just the jock that's getting in the way of the real couple sort of thing. But they give him much more layers than that. He's definitely not perfect. He's actually a bit of a dick, but he's also. Also knows where the limits are there sometimes and is able to apologize and admit when he's wrong and step up when he needs to. And that's cool. And I, that is a new element, I think. Mm-hmm. But you look at Hopper, there is very little of anything I can think of about him that is original in that character. He's bringing nothing to that grizzled film noir style small town cop mm-hmm. that I haven't seen before. But... It's written well. He goes through that typical arc perfectly. You start him in the right place. You see, I think I, a lot of it, I think, is from the performance. I think David Harbour. Yeah, he does an incredible oh, job. And that first, first, I, I think the pilot was one thing I want to talk about as being really good. I think the first episode does such a good job of establishing our three storylines. And while the Nancy one is my least favourite, because it's just yeah. sort of the teen drama bore. I I don't hate it, but slash films have never been my thing anyway. So that was always going to be the one that least interested me. The boys, uh, you that scene with them playing D and D, and their concern for Will is palpable, and their chemistry together is great. Yes. And once you introduce Eleven into that, all of that is just great. They they did such a good job casting it, and I care about them quickly. And the same thing, and Joyce. Fucking Winona Ryder is so good in this. Joyce is my favourite character by far. Joyce might I be... I love Joyce. I think Joyce is my favourite character too. It's funny... Almost all my notes are just like how much I love Joyce. Like almost like I would say like 80% of my notes are just like Joyce is incredible. Let's come back to Joyce. Okay. Pardon me. Joyce in a second because I think mm-hmm. there's a lot to dive into with that performance and I think a few things to consider. But, um, the, but they got that right with that casting, that performance. And then... Yeah, David Harbour. So, he's got that first bit where he sort of just like comes in the police station and he's like drunk and just wants quiet time and blah, blah, and he doesn't care. And he finds out that um, Will's missing. He's like, whatever. He's just run away, blah, blah, blah. But that, I love watching in the in the pilot and in, even to the second and third episode, the realisation that something is going on here happening, that watching him awaken from this stupor that he's put himself in as he's tried to like medicate himself from his past traumas is really good really good just click click yeah just that i'd love watching him break out of that just mm-hmm. subtly bit by bit as it doesn't isn't as simple as he thought it would be 
as he gets concerned when he realizes the bike was left and he would never leave that, that's so important to him, as he... Yeah, get suspicious of what's happening in the shed and all those things. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's even so within perfect. the pilot, um, especially, yeah. and ultimately over the season as a whole, we see because when we first see Hopper, I assumed he would be the asshole, the incompetent cop, sure, um, yeah. the guy who doesn't really care. Yeah, and then to see his yeah his cop brain slowly like coming back to life yeah. and him putting things together, and it's not through dialogue; it's purely through like his face or the direction and we just see those those gears beginning to turn and as he becomes more and more worried then so do we yes exactly yeah. exactly right and so he's just fulfilling all the roles that character needs to mm-hmm. do but it's just done expertly well and i think i've talked about this before i use i use pixar a lot as this example pixar films more often than not, though there are some exceptions to that rule because Pixar have done some exceptional stuff, but especially the earlier stuff, is not all that original or interesting in terms of its story or its characters or anything like that. They're buddy films or they're, you know, travelling films like Finding Nemo or whatever. We've seen a lot of this stuff before. They're done in... There's original animation to them, but they're not, they're not pushing the boundaries in terms of the story. It's the storytelling that's being pushed. Those characters we've seen plenty of times before it's just told so well that it's good and I feel the same way about Stranger Things mm. it's so well told and so well performed and I care because they went into the work of making sure I was emotionally invested in these characters that it it ultimately works I was just thinking of another um, uh, Hopper scene that I love mm. you've got one, a crush on Hopper I really like that I just I, I, I always like good noir detective films mm. have you seen Chinatown Oh, a long time ago. It oh, didn't, didn't do it for me. I really And I know like it's that. a classic, but I was like, maybe I was just too young, but I was like, I don't care about this. Yeah. And it might, maybe it's a, it might be a male thing too. I don't know if it's a, you know, not to generalize anything. But like, I, I might be falling into a bit of a stereotype when I just like, you know, those grizzled detective dramas and stuff like that. But um, I generally do like those characters when they're done well. And Chinatown's a good example or mm. LA Noir or anything like that. Um, LA Noir, is that the video game? L.A. Noir is L.A. Confidential is what I meant to say, but yeah. L.A. Noir is also good. Uh, about to be re-released on uh, current day consoles, I think. Actually, looking forward to playing really? that again. Yeah, it is. Um, th- there's a bit where he tracks down the guy who found Will's body in inverted commas, mm, in and bar, he's talking yeah. to him in the bar. And then, when he's not going to get get what he wants, he just takes him out to the side of the bar and starts beating the shit out of him. <laughs> and the guy just does finally starts to confess things. And it's that in that moment that it is confirmed for the first time there is a conspiracy going on. Like he had his suspicions. Yeah. And Hopper doesn't say a word because he's got nothing to say. He's got no one to say anything to. But the camera cuts to David Harbour's just moment of like, oh, fuck. Mm. And you can see it just in his facial expression, his performance of that moment of like, fuck, there actually is something really fucked up going on here. And I love it. His performance is stellar, absolutely. I wa- have you you've played? No, you haven't played The Wolf Among Us, have you? No, I haven't. I've have s- watched you play a bit of it. Right. Um, based on uh, it's a video game, Telltale video game, choose your own adventure style, style thing, based off a comic book series I love called Fables. There's a character, the big bad wolf, Bigby Wolf in it, who is a grizzled detective. I want David Harbour to play him in a movie mm-hmm. or a TV show because he would be perfect for yeah. it. I think <clears throat> one reason I've never really. Um, connected or liked watching characters like that is because they very rarely show vulnerability, I guess. 
But with Hopper, there are moments in which he doesn't want to believe or he's, sure. you know, he wants to be rational and a good cop. Um, and when Joyce is speaking to him and she is, you know, very firm in her beliefs and, and particularly a moment when she says, you know, wouldn't you know your daughter's voice? And it's like moments like that when you can see, well, he like, he understands where she's coming from and he he wants to do what's right and is there's a bit of leeway there. He's not completely closed off to her position, which I like. I, I mean, I disagree with you with that. That's what the, the characters don't have that element to them. Um, like when it's done well, they do. You were right. But yeah. I agree that it's particularly done well with mm. Hopper. Yeah. And again, performed great is a big part of it. So we're on to, let's talk about Joyce since we're mm. there. I feel like, sorry, just back to the like noir detectives or whatever. Sure. It's usually about like a dead wife or a woman that left them or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not. Oh, but, like, yeah. Their dead, empa- dead family members and stuff like that. But their empathy and towards not- other people, people who are actually around them. It's just like, I generally don't get a sense I, of that unless they're a hot babe. Well, I, more of there's, there's that, there's that temptation side of things with your femme fatales and so forth. Mm. But also I think that stuff's there, but it's not always so obvious and maybe that's the modern storytelling coming into it mm. where they're allowing more vulnerability to show because maybe softness is okay because softness is yeah. okay now whereas yeah. in old style you gotta yeah, be a man see yeah mm. and so that comes out instead in the way that he looks at something or his actions will ultimately reveal that he does care but he wouldn't reveal that in the moment in any way mm. if that makes sense right. so he'll go out of his way to make sure that he saves that person because he does care more than just the job but it, it would never show in that moment he's more likely to just go home and drink right Instead, which Hopper will do too, but um, but yeah, I think you're right that the the show understands that masculinity isn't going to be, you know, forsaken if he actually shows a little bit of care in his <laughs> eyes, a bit of empathy, yeah, yeah, a bit of empathy, exactly right. Um, you let's talk about Joyce then, and Winona Ryder's performance. I heard a few people when after watching Strange Things the first time because I did watch it back in when it first came out because we every- watched it together. No, no, I watched like a majority of it just in my room, just binged it the first time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was in your room. With oh, you. were you? Oh. Yeah. That's so rude. Uh, really? I assumed yeah. it was in my room, I did it privately. There you go. Well, you were masturbating the whole time and I asked <laughs> you to stop. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, my apologies. Cool. Did we watch that together? I didn't even realize we that. We did watch it oh, together. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's weird that I don't remember that. So, there you go. Um, what an asshole. <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm not very memorable. It's fun. The first time watching it through... Yeah, started watching it. I think I just got back from overseas or something, hadn't I? Maybe. I, think I, I missed don't know. it. And everyone was talking about this show. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it eventually. And then it was like, like fine, let's just start watching it. And some people had talked about Winona Ryder's performance being a little over the top, a little bit whiny and like, or screechy or something like that. And I got to tell you, I could not disagree more. I think that is fucking absurd i'm sorry her son has gone missing yeah and like "Mm, tone down the whininess please fuck off i'm sorry even if she was to the nth degree whiny she's fucking allowed to be it's like the character is going through something traumatic but i think but also like i i also don't agree with that i don't think she is overly whiny I think she's – I find her incredibly strong and pragmatic. Is pragmatic the right word? Sure. Yeah, yeah she is pragmatic. Yeah, yeah, pragmatic. And she's like – she has a plan. She's like – and one of my favourite moments is when she's, I think, yelling at her ex-husband and she's like, God help – oh, no, I think to Jonathan, 
Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, God help me, I will keep these lights up until the day I die if there's a chance Will is out there. No, I think it's just the it's to John- No, it's Jonathan in the oh, street. I just remember. Oh, yeah. in the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was like, I fucking love this woman. She like, she goes in, she needs a new telephone. She goes in, she's like, you know, demands a, a two weeks advance. She gets it. She gets a phone. She's like, sits there every day just waiting for a phone call. Then she realizes, you know, the lights, they, she gets scared. She runs out of the house and she gets into the car and realizes this is my son. I might be scared. I've got to go back in the house. Yeah. And she runs back in the house, which is such a fucking cool moment. I love that as well. Then she like realizes the pattern with the lights and she sets them up and she has a way to communicate with Will and she's doing this all by herself. Mm-hmm. No one is believing her, mm-hmm. but she's also not feeling sorry for herself. She's like, this is what I got to do. Got to find my son and I'm going to do everything I need to. I fucking love her. I think another word that was used was something like hysterical, oh. right? But the, uh, yeah, and all those words that unfortunately get used, particularly at women. Um, exclusively. Exclusively, you're right. Um but even if even if those words were in some ways applicable in terms of the character's behavior mm. because i think all of those things all everything you said about her strength and her pragmatism and that wide-eyed hysteria that she can have sometimes are all true and make for a great character mm-hmm. there is what's great about her is that you can totally understand why people look at her and go fucking loony mm-hmm. but also you look at her and go I love the way she talks to Hopper and goes, I know. I yeah. know <laughs> that it sounds crazy. I know, but it's what happened. So, like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, this, I know what I heard. She says that to Jonathan. To Jonathan as well. I yeah, think she yeah. says it to both of them right. at different times. Yeah, yeah like, she's she's aware and she understands it. She's aware a, of what it looks like. But she's it doesn't tot- matter but it, to her. But she also knows that's not important. Mm-hmm. That there's things that are much more yeah, important. People's than that. perceptions of you are not important in a case like that, yeah. I, I, Love, I love that performance. I think it's really enjoyable. It's really engaging to watch. It is. I don't know what you'd want her to do differently. I don't mm. want her to tone that down. And I, what I love also is that this side of her that's a little bit sort of loopy and out there is consistent when she's just normal mum too. Well, they, you know, Jonathan mentions that. He's like, you know, she has an anxiety thing. Yeah. She takes medication and yep. she's she's frazzled. She's raising two boys by, by herself, herself and she's working all the time she's yeah we see that at the very very beginning she's frazzled and like absolutely yeah doesn't have time to look after herself yeah and it is totally consistent and great mm-hmm. and then you get these amazing moments with her with the fairy lights mm-hmm. and like like you said figuring out a plan or when she's got that oh, i love that shot and like we can talk about the visuals and the sound of this show later but the when she's sitting sort of like in the wall in that little crawl space bit with the bundle of, of lights, lights and like one blink for yes two blinks for no and like figures out a and just the ball lights up and her the relief and the but it's like it's that immediate relief but then also okay what i gotta do next and mm-hmm. she keeps moving she keeps moving she keeps moving she, oh, yeah, i fucking at, love it yeah at every moment i am with joyce yes when she succeeds i am so happy when she's scared i am scared and so the moments where she like like Acknowledges that fear, but then goes beyond it. Yeah. I was like, I feel that sense of like, oh, like proud or fierce or whatever it might be. Like, yeah, every step I'm with Joyce, and I think Winona Ryder did a uh, fucking great job. And I, I, I love. I'm Winona shocked Ryder that people criticize her because I don't understand it at all. That people did yeah. the um, I, I hadn't. I, what did Winona Ryder been doing in the last twenty years? She did Black Swan. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that before was, that, I'm not. I, I assume she just. She's been doing very little. Yeah, realistically, not much. and it was, 
I mean, how cool is it to like find an a teen icon from the eighties essentially 80s, yeah. and throw her into this in a motherly role in a mother role yeah. and just own it as much as she does. I, I read a so comment cool. the other day that someone was like, Oh, they they should get Drew Barrymore for season because <laughs> she was in like E.T. and Firestarter, which like yeah, yes, yeah, which is like the that would have been cool. She's on Netflix too, much. too. She's yeah. doing um Santa Santa Clarita, Clarita Dada, yeah, yeah. Oh, they could totally get her yeah. for in a future season. That would be rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely should do mm. that. Have you seen Firestarter? No, no, I me either. I watched the trailer the other day. Oh yeah, it's pretty much just yeah, Eleven. Oh really? Is and, it? Because the story of oh, how Eleven's mum. Uh, took acid and yeah. therefore they, she gave birth to a kid with powers. It's exactly what happens in Firestarter. Like I said, no original ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter though. No. Um, I was just thinking of another great Joyce moment. There's just uh, when they're going to put Eleven into the um, deprivation tank they've created in the gym and just that beautiful, Being calming, motherly yep. presence she has that Eleven's never had. No. And Even just before she, she offers gets that in, up freely. And she's like, if it gets too scary, you just let me know. <sighs> Fucking just love it so much. And then going into the upside down with Harbour with uh, with David Harbour with um Hopper. Hopper yeah. Um, she's like, Of course I'm going. Yeah. Of course I'm going. It's my son. Yeah. You stay here though. Everybody else. <laughs> you stay here, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Um you, all the kids stay here alone. Uh we're we're off. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, can't get over that. Um, yeah, I don't really know where to go from there directly. We could talk about the kids, you, other performances in the show. Um, we've obviously got all the, the four boys or the three boys and 11. Um, I like, I really like what Millie Bobby Brown's doing in this show as well. For a young actress, she does it, especially when she doesn't speak a lot and it's a lot of just looking scared. She does, there's a certain subtlety to her performance as well. Yeah, I mean the emotional range of all these kids seems pretty it's incredible. Pretty great, yeah. Uh, my own, my only um, concern—I don't know if that's the right word—is with Lucas. Lucas unfortunately got pegged as just sort of being the the wet blanket. Things like he, I hope count in- how many times Lucas opens his mouth and says something positive. Yeah, it's 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 not there. It's practically non-existent. No, one hundred percent agreed. Yeah, it's like it's so unbalanced. So that even when he does bring forth valid points. It's just like, oh, he's talking again. Sure. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. It is. It does make, unfortunately, for one of the less three-dimensional characters in it. Mm. But then he's, but uh, he does do things like in the first couple of episodes, even the first episode, I think it is, it's Mike and Lewis who are determined to go looking for Will. Who's Lewis? Sorry. What, what's his name? Lucas. Lucas. Determined to go find, du- no, not Duncan, Dustin. Uh, no, sorry. I determined to go <laughs> find Will and leave. And Dustin's the one who wants to go home. He's the one who's like, no, let's not go. He mm-hmm. is determined to find it. In fact, if anything, um, Lucas, yes, Lucas, yes. Yep. is the one, He even, I mean, yes, he gets pissed off. And yes, he's the one that leaves the group. But he's also doing it because ultimately his goal is to find Will. And when things, so while he's, Attitude is often negative. He is still really he's as determined as anyone, if not more so, to find Will. That's his ultimate goal. He to him that's the most important thing above eleven. So what I, I like wish from that, that oftentimes like I agree, like he's incredibly determined to go and find yeah. Will, but he is so often just angry all the time in a way and where we other than the very first scene we really see them, we don't really get that 
ever again is he a gets, softness. He gets to some him. woes and stuff like that. He gets moments of being impressed and that sort of stuff. But he, yeah, it, he is the one that he he is the pessimist. And then you got Duncan, who it, Dustin. Dustin, who is the the wise, like he's the emotional heartbeat of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also the scaredy cat and the one who's more, most worried about food. And then you've <laughs> got Mike, who is sort of the the default leader, but he is also so attached to Eleven that it's uh, that it's leading him off course when it comes to finding mm. Will. But as much as that makes Lucas the least enjoyable of the three, I don't think that makes him... I think that he's still important. You need... Oh, I'm not saying he's not important. Yeah, I just think maybe a better balance could have been found. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, you've got to have the brains, the heart, and the courage in there, right? And it's like... Yeah, it's the, those three parts make a really important trifecta. Yeah, I listen, it's not perfect, but... And he is the downer of the three, but I think it serves its purpose pretty well. Um, uh, their stuff is is a pretty nothing particularly interesting or exciting about their little adventure. Though Eleven stuff is very interesting if you think about her backstory. There's some pretty fucking badass stuff they do with her. Yeah, I mean, That's, I don't want to that- completely dismiss the boys though, because I think they. Add to the charm of this show. That absolutely charming and and, um, And very fun to watch. As you watch, you're like, I remember like going on like bike rides and having adventures, and it totally brings you back to that feeling when you're a little kid and you used to watch films like The Goonies and stuff. I never watched The Goonies, but yeah, I know what you mean. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) I know, but I get the feeling that uh, this is not sports because we haven't seen it. But based off the trailers, I think season two is gonna be very Goonies. Sean Astin's in it. So was he in the trailer? Yeah, oh, I missed that. Yeah, anyway. he's just, it's just a scene with him running down a hallway. It's, oh, okay. But it's definitely Sean Astin, right? And it's like um, I, I get the feeling that they're going for a real Goonies thing in the next season. Okay, right. Um, I kind of not should, remember. I what should I probably was watch it. Sorry. Yeah, you were saying that. Oh, uh, but yeah, I just th- I just think it's they're like they are s- so much a part of that nostalgia of Stranger Things, and I think their storyline is really important. I oh, don't I'm not to, saying like, it's not that. important. It's just again. Not particularly original, yeah. But I don't care again because it is told so well. Yeah. I care and about neither is the- eleven stuff. You know, no, none yeah. of it is. <laughs> There's that. That it, bottom line, apart from Steve, I'm not. I, if you can think of anything else that really stands out as being particularly original, I, I just don't remember a character like Joyce who was jo- that earnest and successful in what she was doing, and just could not be swayed and didn't give a fuck about whether people believed her or not, but also was so intel- like intelligent and convincing that she was able to convince people of yeah. what she believed. I think, um, yeah. I mean, my, my knowledge of 80s films isn't I was gonna huge, say, so there probably are things. I think it's easy we could get, um, I'm thinking like Sarah Connor kind of has that element. Mm. She's kind of wide-eyed crazy, like, oh, the future robots came for my son sort of thing, but is also an absolute fucking badass. Yeah. Um, I find that usually But with she's those not characters, particularly motherly. It's usually about violence, yeah, because we've yeah. also got um, What's-Her-Face from Alien and stuff as well. Yeah, the Sarah Connor was the one that made the most sense to me to pick there, because you're right, yeah. Ridley she, You is don't a identify badass. as her as mum, you know what I mean? Whereas well, looking at Joyce, I'm like, mum. That she, she lacks that connection to... Uh, what well, I can't. Uh, Jonathan, John Connor? John Connor, yeah, to John because they've sort of been separated their whole lives. Yeah. So part of that, but that's part of the emotional story of Terminator Two. Right. Is that spoilers? Cheers. Mm. Um, Jesus, if you haven't seen Terminator Two, in fact, you can go see it in three D pretty soon. I think at the cinemas. No, but seriously, I haven't seen it. 
what? No, I've watched bits of it because it was always on Damask. telly growing up, but I've never sat down what? and watched the whole thing. You've never seen Terminator <laughs> it, 2? It always looked really scary, so I never watched Fucking it. Fucking oath, it's great. You and Steph, seen Steph probably, have not seen I've it. I've probably seen take, like 75 to 80% I'm of going, it. You probably have. You've probably seen the whole thing, you don't even realise, but you're going to go see it at the cinemas with me when it's re-released in 3D. I hate 3D though. Well, just, we'll just make the glasses so it's 2D, but you need to see the cinemas. <laughs> okay. It's going to be so... Okay, all right. Oh, it's such a great movie. It's literally my favourite... It's like that and Die Hard are my favourite action films of like... I still haven't seen Die Hard. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What? It's just they never interested me. I know they're not me. your films. Yeah. Um, Sarah Connor would be the closest thing I think of. There's probably others as well. And feel free to correct us, listeners, if you... Pardon me, no yeah, other... Yeah, send me a list of films that I need to watch because it's, well, already, it's already a big list. start with Terminator <laughs> 2 and Die Hard, shall we? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but of those sort of jo- Joyce-like characters, but I agree with you, you rarely get the the wide-eyed sort of anxious motherly figure mixed with the practical badass motherly figure. And putting those two in one character is pretty unique as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Um can I just, like, comment on Winona Ryder's hair? If you want, sure. Her hair. Because I remember when I was first watching it, I'm like, that is... It's not even, like, a classic 80s look to me. It's just so rough and ratty. And I was like, where did this hair come from? And it was actually Winona Ryder's idea to have that hair. Cool. Because it's the practically the exact same hair that Meryl Streep had in a film called Silkwood. Oh, okay. And I've looked at photos and it's just atrocious. But that's where that hair comes from. Nice. Yeah. Um, so considering how much of this is just rehashes of ideas we've all seen a million times, apart from the performances being good, why else did this work, do you think? Why else made it work since it's completely unoriginal and not new in any real conceivable ways? Well, I I think it was a perfect storm because obviously there is a huge thirst for things that are nostalgia based, Mm -hmm. hence like why they're bringing back all these movies now like 21 Jump Street and Ghostbusters and all that stuff. Um, And so we've got 21 Jump Street, which is a rehashing of something old, but they've completely modernised it, so it doesn't really look like the thing we've seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with Ghostbusters. Um, So It's just been remade. It's just been remade. I haven't seen it, but yeah. In fact, it not only is in heavily inspired at style from Stranger Things, actually steals one of the fucking actors from yeah, Stranger Things and puts it in that. there. Yeah. Um, whereas this takes, so the thing, the property or the things that we know that we're nostalgic for, um, but keeps them relatively similar to what we know, but with like, you know, slightly more modern sensibilities. The, the dialogue's sharper, the chemistry is more organic than a lot of those films that you see that are kind of stilted and I think it's just like the acting and direction of the time. Um, so there's like a modern sensibility. It's beautifully shot. The story is, well, familiar. I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't really know where it was going. Yeah. Had that sense of mystery to it. I think it was just like had those elements of nostalgia but brought a story that I hadn't seen before, that a lot of people hadn't seen before was exciting and in a form that we now all watch TV in, which is Netflix binge watching. So I think like all those things together makes people go, fuck yeah, this is awesome. This is like how I remember feeling when I would watch these I, that's, when I was a kid. That's the thing. I think it's that it is a reminder of a feeling that I think we've been missing. And it mm-hmm. came out, I do think when you talk about Perfect Storm, it's timing beyond this current trend of nostalgia plays that we're getting in a lot of them. A lately, lot. some successful and some not so. Um, 
apart from it just being timed in line with that, it was timed when the blockbuster was sort of shit. Like uh, the, the sorry, the box office was shit that year. Mm. Movies that were coming out were pretty lackluster. People are hungry for something to talk about and to enjoy. This just hits. I don't remember there being. I didn't. I don't remember hearing about Stranger Things before it just dropped on Netflix. I'd never heard anything about yeah, it. Yeah, it was one of those situations. Like, uh, yeah, I haven't had that situation since or before then, where something just appeared, and every single person in the goddamn universe yeah. was talking about it. It actually became so. It became uncool to like Stranger Things after a while. Everyone was so hot about it that. The hot takes really? were, the, were the people who were saying like, nah, I didn't really like Stranger Things that much. That became the hot take because <laughs> because it was being talked about, there's yeah. always going to be the contrarians, always mm. have to come out of the woodwork. And so after a few weeks of that, that's what started to happen. Everyone just going, nah, actually, Stranger Things wasn't really that good. That's surprising to me. No, that's that's the internet. That doesn't surprise me at all. That always right. happens. That's, I've seen takes like that I on Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't know why people would go through their life like wanting to do that. It seems like such a boring thing to do anyway. People are just attention seekers. It's just clickbait. It's just a mm. way of getting noticed because they know that the the troll the commenters will come to defend it because In people that case, are too impassioned. I give Stranger Things one star. <laughs> yes. Yes. This show sucked. <laughs> Leave comments on our <laughs> iTunes page, our Spotify page. Um, Do you have a Spotify page? Oh, it's coming. Okay. Yeah. Mm. 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 We <laughs> may be on Spotify soon. Um. The yeah no I agree with you on all those points I think it's funny this nostalgia thing though because while I was born in eighty eight mm. I'm born in eighty eight so a lot of the things that are in there that they're nostalgic for I didn't have that aren't but you didn't watch them on VHS or anything I have not seen the Goonies seen ET though I don't particularly like ET I yeah I know hot take <laughs> I've only Whoa. seen. I've only seen ET. All the controversial opinions are coming out. I think out I might have only seen ET once, and it didn't do a whole lot for me. I haven't seen Gremlins. I have seen Terminator Two. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen. I'm not into slasher films all that much, so I haven't seen. I haven't seen Friday the Thirteenth. I haven't seen. Um, I think I've seen one of the what's the not Friday the Thirteenth. The other Halloween? one, Halloween. No, I've not seen none of the Halloween. What's the one? Nightmare on Elm Street? No, I've seen one Friday the 13th and none of Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen Predator. <laughs> um, Predator? Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of like <laughs> 80s stuff. And Isn't I've that seen, the 90s? Yeah, probably. And I've seen... it. Yeah, it would have been the 90s, you're right. And I've seen like The Shining is about the only Stephen King thing I've seen. Mm. So I don't have nostalgia for those things because I didn't witness them. I so and I didn't live through it. I'm not someone who played Dungeons and Dragons until I was a full grown adult. <laughs> um, I yeah, didn't have an Atari. My first system was a Nintendo. I like. I but you still like remember the joys of your first console and things like now, that, and of, having adventures with your friends. Yes, but that doesn't explain my like for. But I think that's what was great about those '80s films is that they were able to capture what being a kid felt like. Yeah, which You're, is what like Stand by Me and stuff is all about. It's like I oh, haven't seen Stand by Me. Okay, then good. <laughs> um, or like the Green like it makes even though they're like over the top stories or whatever, it, it does feel like they're a bunch of kids hanging out and that's what this show does as well. Ultimately, the thing that when people say that it was just a nostalgia play, that's the bit that I come back to is like, but I don't have nostalgia yeah. these, these things. I just recognise that it was done well. Yeah. I recognise that 
all those reasons that you like Stand By Me and the Goonies and stuff exists in this too. Yeah. And while it is aping from them, it's also doing it well. It is a, if you want to consider them a genre, this is a great entry in those genre of films. Mm-hmm. And that's why I And there's nothing like wrong it. with a well done homage. You know what I, I mean? Like I'm all about it. Absolutely. A uh, celebration of those things. Abso- yeah. Exactly. And it feels genuine. And so this, again, when it became cool to not like Stranger Things. A lot of it was people going, oh, people just like it because it's nostalgic. No. No. That's not at all why I liked it. It was just really well made. And the it, for the same reasons that you did like those things that you th- you're nostalgic for, ultimately. Um, so what did the 80s scene provide f- for m- me as someone who was nostalgic for it? I think one of the great things about seeing anything in- a, No cell phones? Is a pre-cell phone <laughs> internet age. Yeah. Because things are way scary when you can't just call somebody. Yeah, putting like cell phones and the internet into a film, just like it just changes. It changes it so much. You can't get like it's hard to find like natural hijinks when everyone's got a goddamn phone in their pocket. Yeah. Um, It is one of the reasons I liked. One of the things I did like about it, I thought it was okay. Mm. Um, The new it, by the way, the 2017. I haven't seen either of them. Um, I haven't seen the old one Mm. either. The new one. It's got pacing issues. The last 45 minutes is good. But one of the things that is great about it is that that 80s setting does take... It, I remember it's always funny when I'm watching a movie that's set in the 80s and going, why don't they just call it... Oh, they can't. <laughs> yeah. Why don't they just text each other? Oh, they can't. That's mm. right. Um, and it's, that yeah, it's like very helpful. Will's... Not Will's. Um, Mike's mum is going out for the day and he's like pretending to be sick. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, if you need anything... Just call your dad at work. I'm like, oh, yeah, he can't contact you. Yeah. Right. That makes I remember those days. When they're looking for their kid, they just can't call up Will and go, Will, where are you? Yeah. Why aren't you home? No. Yeah. Um, so that that helps. Uh, the music is, uh, I mean, I maybe that's part, it is fashionable. The 80s is fashionable now. So mm-hmm. even if I'm not nostalgic for it, um, that sort of synth pop Tron type music they've yeah. got going through well, it's it, like, I love. You know, it, it, it goes in cycles, doesn't it? I mean, like 10 years ago, it was like the 70s. Let's yeah. make films about the 70s or wear stuff from the 70s yeah. or music was very 70s inspired and now it's the 80s. Yeah. It's kind of That's just kind of how it goes. Thor Ragnarok's like advertising itself <laughs> like it's an 80s film. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out at the same time. Um, yeah, there's big 80s plays at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there, does it, do you think it provides anything else, that 80s setting or that 80s nostalgia play? just makes it feel more authentic, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I think, one, it helps because it's playing homage to things from the 80s or the late 70s into the 80s. And, two, it helps story-wise. Like, technology-wise, it really helps. So, I think that's a pretty legitimate reason to set it in the 80s. Yeah. Um, is there anything particularly about the plot or the themes or the characters that we haven't talked about so far that you really want to talk about? Eleven, I did want to talk about a little bit. We sort of skipped by her. Mm. Um that that's uh, do you think these especially because Eleven's placed more into the kids like Goonie style of thing mm-hmm. like it's pretty fucking violent her storyline in this yep like one of the um, I love the imagery of her like every time she uses her powers the bleeding nose which mm-hmm. we've seen a million times before with psychics type characters in, in the, and telekinetic characters in the past but um, used really well like I love one of my favourite ones is when they're trying to sort of Asking her to contact Will, and she's got the radio, mm-hmm. and um, they're sort of just arguing, and all of a sudden they hear his voice, and it just cuts back to eleven, and the nose is bleeding. You don't see it start to bleed; you just know that it took her effort 
and she it had a strain on her to do that. And it's just a really well composed shot. But then you've got like the when they ask her to kill the the cat the first time. Oh yeah, which oh. she doesn't do. No, she doesn't because she's a champion. Instead, she snaps a guy's kills, neck like, and throws guys. another guy into a wall. <laughs> That's Holy what you get. shit! That's what you get. And how cool is it though that? We have already got affection for Eleven. Mm. We know that she's not deliberately. You know, you don't feel that she's dangerous. She's not going to hurt yeah. the boys. It's just like a, that moment is like a reiteration of the fact that she can't, or usually can't, act out in just pure. She's not a machine. Yeah. Whereas if she's emotionally upset or threatened, then some like something will happen. But there's no real like. Evil intent there, absolutely. Because yeah. she's a child and she doesn't know any better. She doesn't really know what's going on. But she also is. But she it, can't hurt a kid yet. Sometimes those things are interesting, though, when they make these like psychic or telekinetic weapons and stuff like that, mm. where um, maybe they never quite got there with them. It's like, oh, they were always meant to be a weapon, but they never got that far. They escape, and then eventually. When they have to save their friends, they'll do it finally. No, she's killed before. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome that that had already happened, mm-hmm. that she'd gotten so far into it that she actually is a weapon and has been has been, well, yeah, has it, been that. It adds to her before. self-image that yeah. she is the bad guy, that she, you know, she's been told she's a weapon and that's kind of all she's ever been used for is to be weaponized to attack people to do sneaky things. She's seen that she has the power to kill people. So of course she would then be one terrified to go back, but two to also be completely honest with her new friends about who she is. Mm. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I love the um, fucked up relationship she has with the guy that's the head of the thing. The Papa stuff. It creeps me out. It's so fucked. And the way... That he talks to her and mm. like makes it a game and like just the gross manipulation of that parental role. I love that like Ugh. when she's about to go and like make first contact with the the monster. Yeah. As a present, he gives her a potted plant. Yeah. I'm like you can't get her an Atari or something. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> she's working pretty hard anyway. Yeah, he's, he's not a great dad. No. <laughs> No, he's not. I mean, better than mine, but no, it's a joke. It's a joke. Sorry, Mr. Leary. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's. No, I'm trying to think of who else is interesting. So, unfortunately, Nancy and Jonathan, I find the particularly stuff fucking boring. Is snoozy. <laughs> oh my god. What What do you think's wrong there? What's What's 
what's not happening there? Oh, just stuff like you've got the kind of newish popular girl who's like you can't hate her because she just kind of like fell into popularity because the popular boy likes her who's like having to hang out with like the the dirtbag kind of ratty guy who's like misunderstood and they have this boring as fuck conversation about how she's just a suburban girl and her life's really boring and she can't really escape and she's like fuck you you don't know me and I was just sleeping through the whole thing so I've seen this a million times that's an instance where they're like reiterating something I've seen before and it's not adding anything it's not even like in a nostalgic way being like oh cool it's just boring that was what i was gonna ask why does that one not work but the other stuff does why why is this play on a teen drama slash slasher film maybe it's my age i don't know but i just find that everything they I, say is like pretty pretentious in a way you know what i mean i'm, I, so I'm just I rolling think that's my it. eyes i think that's 100 percent it i think i'm at an age i remember going to see um was it something of oh, a wallf- Perks of being Perks a wall- wallflower? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Watching that film with a friend of ours, and there was a moment in that film where we burst out laughing because we thought it was ridiculous, and no one else in the cinema did because they were really into it. But they were that there were sort of mums with daughters mm. and like those that tween sort of teenage, and it occurred to me that. If I was that age, I probably would have loved this the same way that I liked Garden, Garden State. State. <laughs> yeah, it's the same kind of wank fest that is actually shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at the other two storylines in this show, there's the idealistic sort of nostalgia well, yeah, of you're being back a childhood, which I looked back with there. complete fondness. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wasn't this, that fun? And mm-hmm. this more interesting sort of the the grizzled cop and the the distraught but capable mother thing, which is very compelling. Mm-hmm. And then you got this, like, oh, teen, roll my eyes, bullshit teen love drama story yeah. thing. And it's like, the cynicism in me is what kills it. <laughs> it's probably no one's fault except me just being the wrong, that, that not a- being aimed at me correctly. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's, maybe it's not completely our fault though. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I think... I think it was always destined to be the one I had the least connection to, based off what it was. Mm-hmm. I think Steve helps to make it a little more interesting because he is a little more modernised. Um, I think Jonathan Byers is just a boring character, unfortunately. Although I don't mind his stuff with Winona Ryder so much, but that's probably because Winona Ryder's bringing more out of him. Mm. But when he's with Nancy, couldn't give a shit. Yeah, agreed. And Nancy is fucking milk toast and <laughs> pretty bland, and there's nothing to really hold on to there. Yeah, who, ca- who cares? Who cares about them? And then, like, one of my quick fire comments was like, a teenager talking about photography is always going to be incredibly cringeworthy. Or it's like when they talk about their art, I'm like, all right, you're a child, tilt down. Yeah. It's like, you're not deep. But that's, see, that's your adult cynicism. Yeah, that's you looking back at your own teen life and <laughs> reflecting on yourself and going, God, I was such a wanker back then. such a loser. Yeah, yeah and, true. And <laughs> that's very true. And yeah. that's where it might be, it's doing its job fine. It's no, just actually, that- even when I was a teenager, I like, would roll my eyes at those people. So I don't know if that's true. You were just too I think cool I'm for just a, No, I wasn't cool. I was a loser, but I could see through that bullshit. Um, I think one of my uh, the moments that of all, like you were saying, this storyline's the one that's too cliche. There's a moment for me that exemplifies that where they could have. It's sort of dumb and not directly related, but it is part of the Nancy and Jonathan stuff where I feel like they should have taken a swerve. It's when they're practicing firing the gun. 
and they're shooting the cans. And Nancy has this big speech about, I can't remember what she's fucking talking about, some teenage wanky bullshit. And then she shoots and she hits the can first mm. shot. She's never fired a gun before in her life. I'm like, that right there is where she should have like completely missed. Airballed it. Because her hitting that is the most cliche and obvious thing that could happen in this moment. That's true, yeah. If they had, if she had like hit the fence and gone, I guess I need to do more practice or something like that, or just swish, missed everything, you would have beaten my expectations because everything about what you're doing here, the way the camera's lined up, the way she's looking down at the shot, is the intensity of it is building to her hitting that can. Mm. So when it happens, it's like, well, duh. And that's the problem with that. Is that whole storyline feels like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no real... Until right towards the end, there's no real sense of joy or excitement on the behalf of the audience watching them. A lot of the time... Oh, I'm not connected to them at yeah, all. Yeah, Nancy is just doing her boring teenage stuff. I'm or, not charmed yeah. and I'm not engrossed. Yep. So i got nothing. Whereas I'm at least charmed by the boys in Eleven, and I'm at mm-hmm. least emotionally invested in Joyce yep. and intrigued by Hopper's mystery. Mm-hmm. Whereas a monster took my friend, let's go kill the monster by being fucking morons is yeah, not all that compelling. Yeah, and my boyfriend called me a slut. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I love Degrassi, but now is not the time, Stranger Things. It's a wrong show, wrong show. Yeah. 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 I do got I got to admit I do really like the ending bit in the buyer's house where they they have a plan they cut their hands so why the fuck do people cut their hands I oh, that's part of my notes it's as well I'm like notes. it's the people actually can someone do that cuz that actually, looks awful horrific We actually have to do this in um it happens in in it as well they cut their hands anyway, Everyone's always just cutting their palms We had to Ugh. do in D&D last night sorry for the little thing we had to there was like a blood pack thing we were doing <laughs> And and everyone's and they're like, so which part of your hand do you want to cut? And all of us are like, not the middle of our hands. <laughs> I cut the little the outside of my left hand index finger and like or my middle finger and drip a little like blood in. In between like my big knuckle and my second knuckle on my Well index just along finger. just along the side of your like arm here. Yeah, or something. not like the middle of my palm. Not, not something I'm clenching what am I, Jesus? with. Jesus, what's going on? <laughs> Stigmata shit? Fuck now. Anyway, they bring they uh do the blood ritual thing to get the demigod shop and then Steve shows up and that was exciting for that me bit's I was great. like what's gonna happen yeah that yeah. that moment is the twist where he shows yeah. up and like is just sort of like freaking the fuck out at first <laughs> but then steps up and is yeah. a bit of a hero is that's cool I like that moment because that is finally they finally find a twist on that story yeah it's exciting mm-hmm. yeah but there aren't that many twists in the other stories I mean but that's not the why beautiful thing I'm that, not asking that, saying that they need a twist I'm just saying give me something interesting yeah I do. Um, I, I the in, upside down. I just think is an awesome concept as well. I think that might be it too. I think the upside down is kind of unique to these stories, as far as I can tell. I'm trying to think of an of any of these eighties esque mm. stories. Maybe there's some Stephen King stuff in there that's like the upside down, but I haven't read. But that alternate dimension thing is very Doctor Who or like Rick and Morty or something like that, and. Even just the term, the upside down, is such a beautiful turn of phrase. And the way it's explained mm. with, like, the folding paper or the turning over of the D&D board and those sorts of things. Yeah. And just entering that world and the look of it, it's always exciting to... Wh- whether it's when Hopper just, like, finds his way into the basement of the Hawkins Research Lab or whatever it is yeah. for the first time. 
or even Nancy getting dragged in, that's kind of a non-event because that's just sort of over. Yeah, she just kind of like goes in and finds a way out. Uh, Yeah, I I like that they've tied the upside down to the Veil of Shadows, the thing in D&D, because it kind of like it's reminiscent to me of like a lot of those 80s films which were – People would go to like alternate realities inside a video game. Yeah, but in this, in this yeah. case, they're going inside, not really, but something similar to what's in a role playing game, which I thought was cool. Because you get like the, the Last Starfighter and you've got what's the one that they redid? Tron. Tron, that's it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% yeah. spot on, actually. Or like Labyrinth or something like that. Mm. Or like, yeah, you go to these. Uh, or The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Not that that's 80s, but like <laughs> Return to Oz, which was 80s oh, or not early terrifying. 90s. It yeah. is super creepy. I feel like that's going to be eighties because the chick who's or the Narnia, little girl in that like, is an adult in the craft. Anyway, yes, yeah, I think you're right. I think, mm. it is, I think you're right. It is the eighties, probably. That is a fucking creepy film. The Wheelers oh. still scare the shit out of like, me. I don't think I could watch it now. Even I, I've I've tried a couple of times. Remember, it's actually not a very good film. I but Mombi, she takes I... her heads off and like twitches them yeah. over, and then Jack the Pumpkinhead and the the Gnome King. Oh, it's also last creepy. time I watched it, I think it was 19 and the wheel has still got me. I was like, this is fucked. The, who thought of this? What is this? It's so scary. It is super Ooh. creepy. Yeah. Shivers. Mm. It's really like, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of impending doom in that film. Unlike the original Wizard of Oz, obviously, but like she arrives and the first thing is, it's like, oh, don't touch the sand. You will instantly die. <laughs> like you must walk mm. across the stones. If you fall off, you will die instantly. Like, okay, shit. Good, thanks. Get, you, get to, you get to the Munchkin City and it's completely decimated. It's like, fuck, what happened to the Munchkins? Well, I mean, I think like the beginning of you know Wizard of Oz, she murders a woman with her house. Yeah, but then they sing a song about how awesome she well, is. Well, that's, that's just a framing issue. I mean, issue. it's fucked up too. <laughs> no, <laughs> if there was a cute song. It's treated song, as being heroic. If there was like a cute song about how the sand kills her, I'm sure we'd be like, this is charming. That's exactly it, but that's not how it's but framed. But that's not how it's framed, yeah. That was something else, though, I think that's good about this show. And one of the things that makes it bingeable, we've talked a lot about this with Netflix shows, it's eight episodes long. There are around that hour mark each, but you've got three storylines mm-hmm. and three storylines plus cutting a lot to the bad guys. So you've still got four storylines and there's a lot of momentum to all of them. There is always something happening. We know what everything's our, always moving. Everything's moving. Yeah. We know what our th- what our goal is. We know what our threats are. Um, and every episode ends in, on a pretty cool note. Some are bigger cliffhangers than others, but everyone leaves you going, "I want to see what happens next." Whether it's, so I think it's the first ones like the boys meeting Eleven in the woods. Um, then you've got Barb is taken from the pool, and that the next episode opens awesomely. So it's like you get sucked straight. If you watch the next five minutes, there's no way you're stopping yeah. episode three at that point. You just like got to keep watching. Um, they find Will's body at the end of episode three and just like, what the fuck? Um, how fucked up is that teddy bear uh, Will, by the way? <laughs> that is fucked. Yeah. I love that image. Great latex work, though. Like, I've got to commend them on done. there. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, Hopper breaks into the science facility mm. is end of episode four. That one's whatever. Nancy in the Upside Down, just her being there is pretty scary. Government's going to get the boys, episode six. Will's fort gets attacked by the monster, and then we're on to the last episode. Um, yeah, there's just a really good uh, sense of momentum from episode to episode to episode. Mm, I think there was like there was a moment in which, I think maybe after like la- uh, sorry Hopper had been to the lab, and I had this real sense of like, oh, he's going to like, 
be kidnapped or killed or his memory is going to somehow be erased and then like all that information, that ground that we've gained is going to be lost because I have felt that so many times before watching a show. Yep. And then when that didn't happen and things just kept progressing and people just kept learning more information and yep. putting it all together, I was like, thank God, this is what like great concise storytelling can do. You don't have to fill up 22 episodes where you go back and forth and back and forth and I get exhausted by it. It's just like things are just like constantly moving and progressing and it's it's such a satisfying way to watch a TV show. And this is probably something we should have talked about earlier is it is uh, the story is nothing is wasted. Everything that we see propels the story further. I think my favorite example is that we have the the required bully bit, right? Yeah. Where the the bullies have been picking on our kid heroes the entire time, and then finally they go psycho because they always go fucking psycho, just like to a level that is, is extremely unsafe yeah. and like unheard of. They're I've gonna, never met a bully that's like I'm actually going to slit your throat. This happens in it as well. Spoilers for it, but there's a character who starts slicing his name into a kid, and what? it's like, yeah, he starts slicing his name with a knife. I'm like, that you're an idiot because if you actually get do that, you're going to juvenile detention we, or whatever. It's going to be pretty easy to figure out that you did it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you sliced your name into this kid. Do you know what I mean? It was another Larry. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right. I think when he says, fucking that kid Larry did it, they'll go, yeah, I think I believe you. Um, Seems legit. Yeah. The uh, the bully scene, so that violent moment starts to happen. And then Eleven shows up and it's, for the for the kid's storyline, it's all about their, her being a protector and, you know, fulfillment of her power, powers as a hero and they all start to be friends again. They're all back on the same page to get Will. Meanwhile, her breaking that bully's arm is the reason that Hopper finds yeah. Eleven, which is great. It's so succinct and it's it got there totally naturally and you understand Exactly how it happened. It doesn't feel cheated. It doesn't feel cheap. It feels totally perfect. And you just go, what great storytelling. What expertly done. Yeah, it just... Plot and... I uh, can't believe that this is the first thing, really, that the the Duffer Brothers... Am I saying the right Duffer Brothers? That's very confusing for my mouth. The Duffer Brothers. uh, Yeah, it's the first thing they're working on, and it's so skillfully done. Yes. Not only is it's like, it's only... Eight episodes, which is perfect. Perfect. And we have talked many, many times Especially about how Netflix. yeah, shows on Netflix take a full advantage of having almost no limitations. Yeah. And they just it's excessive and it kind of drags everything yeah. down. These guys have not done that. They have a very clear vision of what they want to do. The story Story, the, the the plot points are immaculate. Yep. It's just like bam, 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 perfectly spaced apart. We've got highlights in every episode. Yeah, it's so well done. Yeah, like round of applause to them. I yep. like I can't believe that this is their first TV show. I can't believe it. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. It is exceptional and uh, and it's like it's. It's not a basic TV show. Well, I mean, I mean, the only thing, the only concession you could give them is that that it is a bunch of ideas we've seen before amalgamated think together. Think of how easily that would have been to fuck up. That is the truth. Everyone of it, has the high standards. Everyone knows what we're seeing. Yeah. But to take that and elevate it to a level where we're all enjoying it, yeah. but still like keep the level of nostalgia that we want. 
God, that's juggling a million balls. And that's the thing that I find, that's the bit that frustrates me when people, you know, start that whole it's too cool to like Stranger Things thing because it was just a nostalgia play. The point is, it's very easy to fuck up what is actually the thing that people want to see in this because you can put in all your references to Atari and to 80s whatever as you want, but understanding what made those things Mm -hmm. good is the difference and that's what the Duffer Brothers get right. They understand what needs to work for you to connect to it. It's not just about referencing, you know, whatever it is. I think that's like that comes from being a true fan of the thing that you're celebrating. That's it, yeah. Too many times we'll get like a reboot from someone who isn't a fan who is maybe too close to the project. Yes. And they don't understand why the audience loves it because they've never really been a part of the audience. And Even the same creators thing, like, if, of the original thing can sometimes not know why it was That's good. That's what I'm referencing is yeah. the people that were far too close to it who were never the audience. And Oh, sorry. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always think of George Lucas. That's who I was talking <laughs> about, but I just didn't want to say his name. <laughs> oh, say it. Um, George Lucas. Um, and also people who take on things that they don't understand. I'll say this person's name, Zack Snyder. Yes. Clearly are not fans of who those characters are, doesn't understand why people love them, are drawn to them, and, yeah, just thinks it's a bunch of comic book nonsense where people punch each other a lot. Perfect. Perfect example, and that's exactly where the Duffer Brothers are the the right choice for this. Mm -hmm. I need to to find out, it's probably out there somewhere, how the Duffer Brothers came by this. Was this an idea they were seeing on for a long time? Mm. Was it something they pitched to Netflix? Was it something that Netflix was tossing around and they just happened to find the Duffer Brothers to do it? I get the feeling it was their passion project. Um... Because uh, whatever uh, what were the two shows, I had it written down the synopsis. I'd be interested to have a look at because they have worked in TV before. Am I correct? Yeah, you're right. That? There was Wayward Pines, the show, and Wayward Pines from maybe the it's little- a producer involved in that also works for Netflix. Maybe I'm maybe sure. that's that'd be interesting to know. But Wayward Pines, looking at it, is a very Twin Peaksy looking show right. based on the couple of screenshots I looked at at Wikipedia. But so I'm probably wrong on that. But <laughs> it it seemed to have that sort of vibe. To it, so they, I think they're already interested in that sort of, mm. that sort of vibe of like otherworldly, creepy, eighties or nineties esque sort of um, TV dramas. That's their jam, yeah. That's their jam, but like you said, it's it's more than just enjoying it. It's also knowing why it works and being able to translate mm. onto the screen. Do you have anything, any other particular discussion points? I've got a lot of quick-fire comments, some of which I've already gone through, which I'll try and filter as I go through them. That'll, no, my, they'll probably bring up some topics as well. Sorry. My last point was literally about the, the clear and concise storytelling, so we've just spoken about Good, that. which I'm glad we got there. I wish I'd sort of brought that up earlier, actually, because I think it is a huge component in what makes mm. this show so good. It is just really, really beautifully scripted. All right. Do you want to get into some quick-fire comments? I would love to. Okay. I'm going to give you the buzzer. Now... Warning ahead of time, I do... Do you just want to check that buzzer for me? Make sure it's working. Beautiful. Um, I have a lot, um, but we have gone through a few of them already. So, I'll try and cut those out as we go. Okay. Um, we ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Quick fire comments round one. Begin. The opening feels like it might be a bit of a Jurassic Park reference. Remind me of its opening scene a little bit. Oh, when the guy's running away. And then it's yeah. the especially the bit where the elevators are closing and it just gets lifted up. It sort of reminds oh, me of the guy being yeah, dragged right. into the Velociraptor thing. Ooh, it's not yeah, the same cool. shot, but it's similar. But still, you can get the But that's a reference. 90s reference. It's mm-hmm. not 80s. So maybe it's from a different 80s film I'm not aware of. Maybe they're just like huge Spielberg fans. Uh, yeah, that's pro- that was almost definitely true. Love the opening titles. Just that that music. 
Yes. I believe that's an homage once. to the Halloween theme. Oh, is it? A bunch of things, but Halloween was the main. I think the um, Stranger Things titles is a Halloween. Is it? Sorry, it's not Halloween. Is a reference to a series of books as well. I want to say the the actual font style. I and feel stuff. like it's a font on one of Stephen King's. It might books. be a Stephen yeah. King thing specifically. Anyway, they it for a bunch of letters that are colliding together. <laughs> it is extremely satisfying to watch. Well, it was every a meme time. for a long time. People would just write yeah. things in that font. Oh, yeah. they'll come back. After season two, I'm sure. Uh, the, the police department is a touch Twin Peaksy. Oh, the guy who finds Eleven, the guy who has the diner, does a really good job of being super likable. And so when he's killed, it's quite shocking. I was really upset by him. Yeah. I was like, no, he's so nice. But it's not just that he's nice. It's that he's kind of that very sort of, you know, masculine, kind of slobbish, you know, whatever guy who's like, hey, what are you doing? Trying to steal my food. And then realize he's actually got a heart of gold, starts taking care of her, and then just has good intentions and bam, is killed. Mm. And in less than one episode, you're like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> and you also understand the stakes for Eleven. Yeah. And anyone who's near Eleven. So good. That's when we talk about good storytelling. There it is. It's right there. Um, does each episode take place over a full 24 hours? Always seems to be a day-night cycle to each episode. Oh, did not notice. I tracked it. It's true up until episode six, in, at okay. which point they sort of end uh, uh, during the middle of the day when the boys are go- and Eleven are going to be captured by the government. And then it... So basically the last three episodes take place over one day and night cycle. But every other day before that is a full day to night. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just... Oh, I cool. noticed that watching it through the second time it was something I noticed. Uh, I always like good teacher characters. So the science teacher. The science teacher is the perfect teacher. I love him. He's so good. I love I love good teacher characters. We talked about this with Freaks and Geeks as well. Mm. The in the last episode, the one that's talking to the boys about like, you know, the jocks are peaking now and you'll peak later. Yeah. I just always like it when there's like just that one guy that understands yeah. his students and yeah, I don't know, enjoys their excitement and stuff. Reminds and you can me of just my good say teachers. that he's like he was them. So it's quite endearing. Yeah. Buying coffins must be so fucked. Like, every time you see that I think that the whole stuff, thing about organising a funeral is going to be fucked. Yeah, I just you know, find that... Everything about it is going to be awful. How many times do you see that scene where some guy's like, now, I don't know what your budget's like, but if you want to see our deluxe range, and, like, you just look and go, I don't want to ever do that. That looks not fun. Uh, Will and his mum on either side of the wall is heartbreaking with him and Joyce. When they like, can see each other through the wall. You know what I love is that she tells him to run. She's yeah. like, just run, just run. Like she, she knows her shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking stuffing. It's nuts. I, I just wrote that, so I put that in there. <laughs> um, I like when Hopper gets into the facility and he's he's broken in and he's sort of like just trying to avoid being captured and he keeps calling for Will. Like he doesn't really know that Will's there, but he knows he's close to something. Mm. So he's like. He knows where his mission is. It's to save Will. So he starts calling for his name. And it's like, it's never explained that he, like I said, he suspects that Will specifically is necessarily there. He just knows something's wrong. And so he starts calling for him. He's like, that makes perfect sense. It's exactly yeah. what he should be doing. I love that. Just that little detail. Um, waking up on the couch with the pills on the table was a piss-weak attempt to cover their tracks. I'm glad Hopper doesn't fall for it for a second. Uh, that's that whole bit you were saying. Normally, that would be when the information get wiped from them mm. brains and stuff like that. He just wakes up and is like, no, this is no. And is like suspicious straight away. Uh, wakes- well, I think that would be an instance in which they probably injected him with whatever was in those pills. Yeah. And so that if he did say anything, they would oh. be... 
people would be like, oh, he's undressed. You totally understand their plan, but it's just, yeah, I just like Yeah, that. but I was expecting like, oh, they've done something terrible. Yeah. Exactly. Wakes are also weird. Um, <laughs> just while we're talking about <laughs> the whole death thing. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to side with Joyce. The dickhead deadbeat dad works great as an emotional mechanic. Because I got this little storyline about the, the ex-husband and then he comes back and he's... He, when he reinserts him back into his life and she has to push him out again. And it just does... It's just small. It only takes up like half an episode, but it's just a great little moment to show why Joyce is so strong and why she's such a great mum and she knows it's important. And I love that it was Joyce that kind of figured out why he was there and yeah. made him leave because I was expecting Jonathan to be, Jonathan to be like, to I'm the man now and you have to leave and leave my mum alone. So yep. I was glad they didn't do that. Joyce being a mum to 11 is everything. Um, oh, I like that Hopper used the same method to get into the lab the fir- the second time he did the first time. I was like, why fix what ain't broke? Just cut through the fence. Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, doesn't have to go with anything new. Uh, why do people cut their hands, we've said. The mechanics of the upside down confuse me. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> a little bit of a gripe here. There seem to be no party lights up inside the buyer house, nor letters painted on the walls. So how does Will communicate with Joyce via blinking? So when they're in the upside, when we see into the upside down inside the bias household, there's none of the stuff that Joyce puts on the walls to communicate with Will there. So how does Will know how to communicate back to her? It was definitely the right wall. Uh, you just look all over the house. There are no fairy lights up. Oh, that's just a mistake. Do you think that's just a mistake? I think so. Okay. Because there's no other way that he would be able to choose the letters. That's what I mean, right? Yeah, no, that's a mistake. Hawkins is there, though. So it's not like this is a world where Hawkins doesn't exist. But Wait, it Hawkins, what do you mean? Hawkins is the town. Oh, um, didn't know that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so this is a reflection of. So is this a reflection of Hawkins or a version of Hawkins where shit went really bad? Okay, I feel like I'm going to stop the clock for a second because it takes some talking. Okay. All right. So stop the clock because it's an irritating sound. I'm sorry, everybody. So theorizing for a second here. So. I would have thought that the Upside Down is a reflection of the real world, right? Which is how you can sort of communicate between the two and it's why there is stuff there. Because if it was just a monster world, the buyer's house wouldn't exist there. Yeah. The town wouldn't exist there. It has well, to that's be- what the Veil of Shadows is and they say it's pretty much that. Right. And so you expect that anything that you do in the real world is going to also happen in the reflective world, right? Mm-hmm. So when Joyce puts up lights, they should also be up in the- in the upside down Hawkins, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not. So either that's a mistake or that's not what's there. What if the upside down is not a direct reflection of that, but an alternate reality, reality. where some crazy Cold War, nuclear war, Holocaust happened? And all the stuff in the air is like fallout from that. It's like ash and shit. And the monsters are mutations and the what's happened to the world. Right. Then Okay. So, if Cause, that cause is the t- case. Tiny spoilers. Don't know. No. You, no, okay, don't do don't that. Worry. Um, tiny spoilers. Spoilers are spoilers. It okay? was only a spoiler for the trailer for season two. Yeah, no, don't. I'll stay away from it. All yeah, right. Don't. Sure. Um. Because okay, so say it is a an alternate reality, a different dimension. Yeah. So is when people are like walking through and lights are changing and stuff. Is that 
just because of the tear and so things are a little off. Yes. Yeah. This doesn't explain how Will's communicating with her if he if the lights if aren't the li- there. lights aren't there. But yes, I mean that's ultimately what's suggested anyway because we see that as uh, Joyce and Hopper are walking through the house and the teenagers are there, mm. the lights are just going off automatically. Yeah. Um, so it's got nothing to do with them intentionally doing it. It's just if their presence is passing through it, it's lights passing up. through it, it lights up. It's like there's a reaction essentially mm. on the on Some their sort of side. Electric field or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure which one it is. I wonder if it's something that'll ever be answered. But I just yeah, I just find the whole thing kind of perplexing. The last episode adds a little questions. What hatched from the egg? What are the worm things in Will and Barb? Any theories on those? Sorry, I was yawning. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, I'm boring you so much. Uh, so the eggs, I assume that's where the monster came from. Like it's like one of its. Oh no, it's how's it going to poop that out? It's really big, hey. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, it's good to know there's going to be giant fucking monsters in the future. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And then what's the slug thing? Yeah. Well, something had like put that tube in Will's mouth that they had to like pull out it in the last thing. So are they like hi- hibern what's the when you put a baby in gestating in, yeah, like the some sort of thing yeah. that is then given birth to out of his mouth it's that's like then incubating something grow up, yeah. Yeah. Some sort of alien fetus thing. Yeah, good. Which is what you want. Yeah. Definitely what you want. I like that I always thought that the demigorgon, for lack of a better term, is interesting because it seems like, because it sort of finds its way over the bleed because Eleven opens up the rift by, you know, coming in contact with it or whatever. Mm. And it kind of seems like it's an ultimate big bad, but really it seems like when they keep talking about it being like a bear, like, oh, it was a monster, it was a bear or whatever, you saw a bear. To me, that's kind of what this thing kind of is, right? It's like an animal. It's just it just happens to be hunting, which I like. Definitely got a sense of that when Eleven was about to kill it, and it's kind of like whimpering and yeah. in pain. I was like, yeah. oh, it is just an animal. It's just I hunting. Think. It's yeah. not. It's not necessarily super intelligent. I mean, it's it's intelligent enough to hunt, but it's kind of just an animal. Yeah, and that it's probably one of lots of different things that are over there. Ultimately, mm. it's not some specific demon or anything like that. Yeah, and it's it's amazing how much that last episode by itself goes a long way to making you start to consider what the Upside Down really is. Because until then, it's just the alternate reality with a monster in it. And then you start to go, well, wait a second, what are the, where do these things come from? What's these slug things that are never explained that are in these people? Why are the eggs there? And you start to go, well, what exactly is the Upside Down really? And how much else is there? And are there people there as well? Are there actual human beings Ooh, too? that'd be cool. All that sort of stuff. Um, also, the other thing that comes up... Oh, I don't think Hop was using proper CPR technique at the end there. He's um, just punching you in the chest. Yep. That's broken ribs. Yep. So, also a little thing that happens when they're playing D&D at the end. Mm. Um, and they end the campaign and they go, well, that was bad. It's like, why? And they go, there's too many questions left. The boys... Go through this, these yeah, three things. Three the things. Lost Knight, the Proud Princess, and the Weird Flowers in the Cave. Any theories on what those things are? Well, the Proud Princess would be 11. The Knight would be Hopper. Uh-huh. And the Flowers could be the Eggs or... What was, 
Or the flower, the flowers of the eggs. I think. Or... I reckon the flowers that the weird flowers in the cave of the eggs. Yeah. Straight up, that's what. Who those do you think are. the proud princess is? Because you gave me a funny look when I said. Well, 11. the lot. I think the lost knight could be eleven. Like, eleven oh, yeah. is ultimately a warrior, and she is lost. We don't know where she is. Mm-hmm. Hopper isn't really. I mean, Hopper is sort of seems to be wheeling and dealing. Hopper with... is a proud princess. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Hopper is sort of wheeling and dealing with the um the Hawkins laboratory thing. It seems, but I wouldn't say he's lost. You could argue that he's lost to the bad guys, mm. but but if let's take lost for a second, that sounds more like eleven, who's lost on the other side. It seems the proud princess. I think it's Nancy. Nancy's either the proud princess, possibly, because she went to she went Steve in- instead of Jonathan. Oh, okay. But she's also, the other than Will, the only other one that went into the upside down without one of those suits on. And she had that weird flashback that's similar to the one that Will has at the end when she's in the shower. Oh, yeah, right. So maybe there's something going on there. Oh, sorry, I pressed a button. Proud, <laughs> proud is just an odd word. Mm. The only other thing... And I think this is not particularly sophisticated line of thought, but I'm going to go with it. Tell me that's probably not it because it's really on the nose. What if the proud princess is Will? Because he's gay. Because he's gay. And he's also too proud to tell them that he he's having these weird flashbacks and stuff. So, like, he's having these weird moments where he goes back into it. He has to pretend they're not happening because he doesn't want to admit weakness, that he's sick or any of those things. I really hope that's not the case. I hope it's not too. Because that's not. Because that's, that's a terrible. That's bad. That is bad. That's really bad. I yeah. agree. <laughs> but proud to me doesn't. Proud and 11 don't fit. Like the proud princess is such a. It's such a specific description. And I don't think that describes 11. I A. I'm, are we going to call princess. Are we going to call 11 a princess? Because princesses are generally damsels, and Will was the damsel. Have to be, but yeah. And Will was also the damsel. If we go by that, let's pretend that, that this idea that he might be gay, he was the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, uh, yeah. And then uh, proud just doesn't really seem like eleven either. Pride is not her sin. I mean, she's not great at asking for help, though. She's like she's pretty secretive and keeps to herself. That's, but and... that's not pride. That's distrust. That's but I also don't fear. think Will's inability to tell of like what's going on with him is pride either. I don't think he wants to worry other people. Then, then he wants to pretend that he's okay, so he's not worrying his mum and his brother and his friends. Then it must be Nancy because. Nancy, if you want this whole... She's definitely proud. Well, that's that's where you go, right? Because that was a little bit of like a, oh, moment where mm. you're like, oh, she ended up with Steve a, a, instead of ending up with mm. Jonathan. That's that... It is a little bit of a fake out. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, the way they reveal that Steve's there the whole time is like, oh. So maybe that's one that makes the most sense. In that case, can we think that The Lost Knight might be... 11? 11? Sure. Cool. Makes That's sense. what I reckon. Uh, end of my quick fire comments. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> they were quite long. Mine will not be going for that long. All right. Start the clock. In episode one, when the boys are playing D&D, the dice went off the table and it should be a re-roll. 100% agree. You don't count that and you don't count line ones either. No. Uh, also, in episode one, the kids do Australian accents and they're not far off. I'll be honest with you. For kids, they're pretty good at... Accents. What am I forgetting here? The Australian accents. They get the the radio that can reach Australia oh, and yeah. then they start doing Australian accents. Yeah, they accents. do. That is good. Yeah. Um, 
So, they are actors. <laughs> yeah, but they're little actors. Um, so the song White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane plays as the diner guy is killed and Eleven runs away. Such a good song and is perfect for that moment. It was also used well in the trailer for the new Alice in Wonderland film that apparently was awful. But I liked Why it would that one anyone too. go see that film anyway? <laughs> uh, if I was cutting a body that I suspected of being fake, I might nick at the arm or leg or something. I don't know if I'd go straight to the guts and try and rip them out. I 100% agree with that. It's a weird choice. Like, A, a it should just be suspicious that it's not cut open at all. Mm. Um, that although, So I understand straight away where he's going, what the fuck? Why isn't there wounds in this body that was autopsied? But also, yeah, I don't think just whether my... Um, Constitution could take cutting straight into the guts <laughs> the of the stomach. thing. Yeah, I think I would yeah. probably go for something else first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next one, Jim Hopper, also known as the Puncher. Seriously, all he does <laughs> is punch people. He does. He does stop being a cop early on <laughs> and just, just like fuck it. Boom. Just bam, bam, bam. Boom. Punching yeah. everyone. <laughs> I love that. Um, when the kids are in hiding in the bus. And you just hear bam, 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 bam. And he's clearly punched out all these guys who have guns. And just he enters the bus. He's like, all right, let's go. Um, okay, so when the... <laughs> Sorry, the puncher. Just imagine that superhero. <laughs> uh, so the deadbeat dad is back and he's repairing the hole in the wall. Yeah. And he's just using a few bits of timber. I was like, buy some fucking plasterboard. That's that's not how you repair that. Yeah, I wasn't sure. When he's saying it's like it's going to be fucking freezing for winter, it's like you, surely you don't plan to leave it that way. <laughs> like, you could do a little bit better job than this. Like, there's a stack of like eight pieces of timber. He clearly went to the hardware store. Just go one aisle over and get some <laughs> plasterboard and insulation. Anyway, um... Just a quote from Dear Dustin. All three of you were acting like a bunch of assholes. Yeah. It's just like a great moment for you. Dustin him. is the moral center of that group <laughs> and is. it's wonderful. He's so wise. Uh, the lesson of Stranger Things is take acid when you're pregnant so you give birth to a super baby. So I'll definitely be doing that. And that's the end of my quick five comments. Wonderful. Yours were much shorter than mine. <laughs> Um, all right, let's start wrapping this up then. Least favourite and favourite episodes. What is your least favourite episode, Damas? This was really hard. This was really hard. It is hard because, like, we were talking about before going on this, should we just do this episode by episode? I don't think it's really an episode by episode type of yeah. thing. It's 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 one big story that's been chopped up into eight distinct parts that will have a cliffhanger at the end. But, like, they're interchangeable. Like, it's one big story. It's hard to... Do it. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? No, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, so it's episode six. Uh, mine too. Which is the monster. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> How many times is that? <laughs> Jeez. All right. So it's just when like, so Nancy, we start off with Nancy in the upside down, but then yes. she easily escapes yeah, that. Yeah, the, the, the peril of that seems to just be deflated very quickly. Over and done. And so then yep. we spend a bit of time with her and Jonathan in the bedroom. At, well, well, who Bunch cares? of boy trouble. Steve yep. looks in the window and goes, oh, Shakara. Yeah. Yep. And then it's also the Terry Ives stuff, which is cool, but I'm also not super invested in that storyline. It's especially hard because the sister tells the story. So yeah. it's like you're not getting the any of the actual Terry side on things for obvious reasons mm. when you can't see what happened to the character. But it's like it's missing that... She the, the sister doesn't believe it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it just makes you go, you're a jerk. You should yeah. have believed her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's gonna be my pick. Um, what else happens in this one? And I think the boys are fighting mainly in this one too. Yeah, so they're split up, I think. Yeah. Um L- Lucas is off 
trying to find Will, yep. I think. And then we've got Dustin and Mike who are looking for Eleven, I and think. It, it ends with the bit. It ends with a cool moment in this episode. It ends with um, Eleven sort of uh, defeating the bullies and then they're, they're, you know that the government's waiting for them when they get back to the house. Pardon me. But, but yeah, but... I think what well, I would explain, this is my least favorite episode as well, I would explain as being sort of the workhorse episode. There are mm-hmm. lots of important things that happen here. The storylines do progress, but they're just in the least interesting ways. Mm-hmm. It ha- This stuff had to happen. It's like, you, this, stuff, this often happens. You have to lay a bit of groundwork before you get to finale. Get that important, those details out of the way so you can get to your satisfying conclusion. So episode six does that workhorse stuff so that episode seven and eight can shine. And while it's not, it's the worst episode of the eight, it's not a bad episode. No, not not at all. It's just the least engaging of all of them. It's the one where, watching it the second time, I noticed, oh, wait, I'm looking at my phone a little bit, this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about your favourite episode? My favourite is episode seven. Okay. The bathtub. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, it's the penultimate episode. Is penultimate, that? very yeah, good. Nice. <laughs> um, so, the, the chase scene at the beginning of that episode... Is dope. With the car flip. With the car flip. Oh, yeah. So cool. It's funny how I I love how, like, how many times do you see car flips in films? Cars flip over. They're usually during a car chase, which I have completely zoned out of. Yeah, but you watch, like, you know, you watch The Matrix Reloaded. And, like, cars. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Okay. You don't. But, like, cars, there's a a whole highway chase sequence that goes for about 20 minutes, it feels like, and literally dozens of cars flip in the air, Mm. right? So, a car flipping in the air is not not really that big a deal. It's not. But. Unless. (laughs) You've got a bunch of little kids on tiny little bikes, the perfect symbol of powerlessness, being chased by a bunch of dudes in vans. Yeah. Like, they're going to be messed up. They're in trouble. They have no power in the situation. But they've got Eleven and she's able to use her skills and does that and saves them all. And it's a beautifully triumphant moment. And it's a beautifully shot sequence too. Mm-hmm. Like that side shot where you see yeah. the car. Yeah. And it looks yeah. great. And mm-hmm. like the actual shot where it lands sort of out of focus in the front of camera is a little CGI. Right. But. I didn't notice to be honest. It, it's not that big a deal. Mm. It's only if you're a fucking detail freak like me but from like but the 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 hero shot of this sequence is really beautifully constructed and it's like that is very impressive and totally works emotionally absolutely um i also love this episode because this is the episode where everyone comes together which is like kind of what you've been waiting for all season because everyone's kind of figuring out their own little bits it's funny i didn't necessarily think i i was waiting for that to happen really i was even the first like the first time i was watching i was just like come on everyone get together so when this episode happened i was like yay awesome um so i was very excited for that we also get the wonderful moment of Joyce being a mother to Eleven. Yeah. Her, like, receiving that kindness is beautiful to watch. Uh, and then she's also like, I'm definitely going to go and save my son. Yeah, I just thought it was a really cool episode. I loved it. Cool. Definitely agree. Excellent episode. My favorite episode is episode three, chapter three, Holly Jolly. That was going to be my favorite up until <laughs> um it starts in a cool place with mm-hmm. the barb in the pool on the upside down which is just a really fucking cool creepy so sequence yep um and just that even the way it cuts between her in the pool and nancy and steve in the bedroom is quite well done um then you have 
Hopper being a cool, good detective, he's figuring out that the Hawkins laboratory is kind of shifty, and you can mm-hmm. just see the gears working there. I love that bit where he's like, "Did you see Rain on that videotape?" Mm. I'm like, "Fuck yeah, he's like, you're, yes, he's on it, he's on it." Yeah, and you you just back him at that point. Um, you had the flashback to Eleven when she's killing the two orderlies that mm. drag her back to solitary confinement. Good moment. Um, you have the Demogorgon coming through the wall oh, with yeah. Joyce. Um, you the ending is discovering um, Will's body. Um, mm. like the body and the thing. You're just sort of in that moment of like, what's going on here? Yeah. Even though we know that Will's alive because the bit I haven't mentioned yet that to me is probably the sequence that I think most epitomizes Stranger Things and what makes it special is Joyce with the fairy lights and communicating with Will and that's this episode. And it's just beautiful imagery, such a simple, awesome idea with a wonderful performance by... One actress and a set of fucking fairy lights. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're totally right. This episode really does epitomise what this show is, that, and when well, it's all working together. To me, of all the, the things the that heart, are in here, yeah, yeah mm. that to me is the iconic imagery. Like mm. you've got eleven flipping cars and stuff like that, and yes, that's cool. And you've got the demagogue, and you've got the upside down. But to me, if I think of Stranger Things season one, I will always think of the fairy. Uh, I almost said Reese Witherspoon. Um, <laughs> Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder in the house with mm. the fairy lights, with the letters on the wall, or more importantly, probably just the ball, the ball. of lights mm. underneath. And that moment, and I just think that is so simple, but beautifully constructed, visually so appealing. Mm-hmm. It's um, so affecting. Watching it the just, second yeah. time, it's the bit, I, I, I think I got sucked in pretty quickly. I think the pilot is really well done. I almost consider putting the pilot as my favorite episode. Mm. But that episode, that when you get to that moment, I was just like, "Fuck, this show is great." <laughs> that was like the the bit. I was just like, "This is such a good good television show." And I remembered very clearly. It all came flooding back how much I wa- love watching the first time. And it was funny actually. There was something I wanted to talk about a little bit as well. While w- I'm obviously missing all the mystery and stuff, watching it the second time, it's still really engaging. I- it's such a good rewatch because yeah. I was a bit worried about that as well when I started. And then the first episode started, and I was like. Oh no, this is going to be fine. Yeah. This is going to be and I was excited to re like to go back now knowing what I knew. Yeah. Instead of just kind of experiencing it as it was in, unfolding in front of me. Um so yeah, I it's I encourage people to rewatch it if they haven't. Do it now, do it right now yeah. before season 2 comes out. It's it's fantastic on a rewatch. All right. Final score can you go first, please? Sure. I'm going to give it 4.5. Right. <laughs> Why 4.5? Why 4.5? It is fantastic. There is like so many elements of this show that are incredible. That like the heights of the heights of the heights of TV. Character is great for the most part. Story structure is superb. I really struggle to fault that at all. One problem it would have to be the... Nancy and Jonathan storyline, yeah. which takes up a quite a big chunk of time, this is and the it bit doesn't quite get there for yeah. me. Um, but I totally understand why it might for some people, and they would give it a five. So I don't begrudge people that, but for me, it didn't do it for me at all. And uh, that's actually probably it. It's probably that storyline, which is you know, it's a major storyline. Well, it's a major chunk of time for the for the season. I mean, it's essentially a quarter of the show. Yeah. So. Yeah, it didn't do it for me, so it's got to be 4.5, I think. Because I'm, I'm in a similar boat. My my problems with the show are basically the Nancy, Jonathan, mm. Steve storyline. Um, 
strong finish though, but during the strong finish and the stuff with Barb at the start, up until Barb's right up to Barb's death is good, I think as well. I don't really care about the Barb stuff. I just think that bit in the pool is really good, and people, oh, the bit had, in the pool people had a real hard on for Barb yeah. with this show as well. Yeah, I think it was over oversold that a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't quite get it, but uh, that's fine. I missed the boat. I think, on I think that people one, I may guess. have liked that she was like the cool, like not cool. She was a just a normal sort of like individual looking and slightly like bigger girl as well. Right. Like I think people like just thought that. It was good to see her in a show like this. So when mm-hmm. she was just killed, That's they were sh- yeah, disappointed by sure. it. And so they're like, oh, bring Barb back. Mm. Um, I My first reaction is 4.5. My my question is whether... I mean, it's not bad, is it? The Nancy stuff isn't no, it's- bad. It's serviceable. It's the most boring part of the show. If it was just the show, I wouldn't watch it. But it still wouldn't be bad. It just wouldn't be good, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, if, it, if average, it was the right? show, you wouldn't watch it is pretty telling to me. So, this is my question about whether it's a 4 or 4.5. Because a quarter of the show being not appealing, it's, but it's not completely unappealing to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I also wonder... Oh, like, I'll tell, okay, another bit that I did enjoy of theirs, when they were in the bedroom together, Jonathan and Nancy, mm. I... The first bit I was like, oh, okay, Nancy, all right, that's cool, is when she's been staying up all night researching different types of animals to figure out how to, like, attack the beast. So, like, there were elements there that, that they brought in that did make me – like, it sparked an interest in me. So, it's not completely terrible. No, no, it's not. It's not completely terrible. It's it's just the least interesting part of the show. But how much does it impact – I'm really struggling with this one. Because if I think about if I think about Stranger Things, the Nancy stuff is not the thing I'm thinking about, right? I'm thinking about the Joyce stuff and the Hopper stuff and the Eleven and the Boys stuff and all of all of that I love. There's no element of that except for maybe Lewis being a little uh, Lucas being a little bit of a shit sometimes mm-hmm. that I don't love. I but I kind of just forget the Nancy stuff. Like it sort of gets drained out. But if I'm really assessing the show as a whole, it doesn't detract from anything else. Which it is doesn't. Det- no, no, it doesn't have a negative effect on the rest of the show on all those elements that I love. But it is a significant part of it. And so if I, if I'm equating the whole thing, including that, okay, I think I'm going to settle on a four. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with yeah. a four. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with a four. I think in my heart, it's I love it. The show, the bits that I love, I love. Mm-hmm. But if I'm trying to be a little bit objective, I'm going to say that we that can't bit... be objective when you're giving a five point score. No, it's, okay. it's completely subjective. <laughs> sure, trying to really assess the you whole thing. You want to be well balanced, though. Yeah, balanced. That's a better word for it. I'm going to give it a. F- but I love Stranger Things. I'm uh, to be honest, with you, I'm really shocked that you're debating whether it's a four or four point five. What do you think I was going to argue? 4.5 to 5. No, I don't think it's perfect. I can't give it a 5. I definitely can't give it a 5. I don't think you need to give 5 something that's perfect, though. No, no, no. No, you're right. We've talked about this. It's. I just put a few weird thing in my mouth. I'm so sorry. I couldn't help <laughs> it. But you, no, you're 100% right. You, I've said in the past that 5 doesn't mean perfect necessarily. But um, but I wouldn't normally... I think I'd normally find the faults to be smaller than the Nancy storyline for a 5. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But I really like Stranger Things. I'm just shocked that you're going down to four. That's, that's, that's the thing. shocking to but me. But four isn't low, right? 
No, it isn't. What else have we given a four to? Iron Fist. We didn't give a four to Iron <laughs> Fist. That would make me. That would make it a seven. <laughs> Iron Fist was four. I think I gave Luke Cage a four. It's a four point five then. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Jeez, Broad was really having a bit of a crisis. I there. am. I, I think it's like if I could give it a four point two five, I would. But I'm not going to because I'm not. I've definitely done that. You've before. definitely done that. It. Um. I'm gonna say it's a low four point five. Okay. The the Nancy stuff is significant, but the rest of it does such a good job to elevate the the show. So it's an A. It's not an A plus. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Let's go with that. Why don't we do it? Why don't we go with the grading? I script wish then? we did. Yeah. I really wish we, we did. We can change that. We can. We'll change it when we get to at the end of the first year. We'll change it. Okay. Okay. Done. We're gonna forget that. Do <laughs> do I want to keep watching? Yes. Yes. Yes, please. But what? say the show wasn't popular, right? Say say it didn't get. Uh, no one watched it, and it didn't get renewed. As far as like a full season, of t- like a, an arced te- season of television goes, it's pretty good. It ends in a place where I'm not left going, "Fuck, I need to know more." Thing, I have like always said, I'd be fine if I never go another season of Stranger Things. I think this yeah. by itself is totally fine and satisfying and great to watch. I never needed a second season. I'm excited for the next one. I'm worried, but I'm very excited. Bit. Predictions, hopes, and concerns. My concern is that it's shit. My concern is it's going to be a hangover too. Uh, yeah. Reiteration of the same thing. My biggest yeah. worry, and I hope I'm wrong. Mm. My biggest worry is that I, like, there's a lot of reasons to not think this is going to be the case because all the evidence suggests that the Duffer brothers know how to tell a good story, mm-hmm. right? And hopefully that means they recognize that making a sequel doesn't just mean remaking the first one because that's the thing that people liked, Right. They need to be telling new stories. Well, this will be interesting because they were able to tell what people liked about the 80s stuff. Right. But now that they've made their own thing, will yes. they be able to identify what yes. people liked about Where, that? Are they gonna, mm-hmm. Am I worried they're going to George Lucas this? They're going to <laughs> miss the point. I don't think anyone could George Lucas anything the way Peter that George... Jackson did it. Oh, yeah, that's true. He did with The Hobbit. People are capable oh, of it. Oh, that was a shit show. Yeah, right? Yeah, true. There, mm. There's possibly more behind the Peter Jackson stuff. Just get sidetracked for a second. From what I understand, due to time constraints, they were basically writing those movies as they filmed. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I did watch it like a special feature or something about that. and It sounds like yeah. that was a shit show to make. Yeah. But that's why they just should never have made it. He was it. not prepared. If they were not ready, they shouldn't have made the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. But money and when the wheels are spinning in Hollywood doesn't mean you can stop sometimes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, my biggest worry is they're going to basically try and recapture lightning in a bottle and remake the first one, the first season, and stuff it. I have read somewhere that they had planned to do four seasons, which... That's helpful. Yeah, hopefully that means that they have at least a sorry idea. They have an idea of where they want to take it. Can I tell you the second bad scenario in this situation? Oh, God, there's another one. What? That without spoiling things, that this this does a Korra then, right? Mm. So Korra, when it came out, Legend of Korra, the sequel series to Avatar, the first season was planned only to be made. There was no plans for further seasons. They made the first season. It was hella successful and popular. And Nickelodeon said, make us three more. So the problem was the first season did such a good job of wrapping up its storylines, they had to kind of repilot the show mm. in the second season. So the second season of Korra kind of sucks because they have to retread and undo a bunch. They have to retread old water and undo a couple of things. Yeah. So that 
we can get to the really good seasons three and four. But Stranger th- Things hasn't done that. No, no. But Stranger, th- what if is is it they've always had four seasons planned, or now they have four seasons planned? I believe it was always because I'm worried that it's a scenario where they made season one, always had that story in their mind, made it. Netflix have gone make us more, and they've gone. We've got three seasons, but again, three act structure. Season two has to do a bunch of groundwork that should have been done in season one or undo some stuff mm. to get us to where we need to be for seasons three and four. Yeah, I'm not it's a, it's, overly I'm just, worried about that just because yeah. of how they left, have purposely left breadcrumbs at the very end of this season That is that is for us helpful. to follow yes. into season two. Totally agree. So I'm not too concerned about that. Do you, Yeah, do we have any theories specifically about where things are going to go? No idea. I like your theory that Will's got something inside him. Mm. That would explain him flashing between self worth and self belief. He's going to shine in season two. Rod's I was so thinking, disappointed. I was thinking more like a upside down bug baby thing yeah. inside him. Yeah, um, but he did vomit it up. But there's probably more. Yeah, that's the idea. What if there's others he just in like, there? Hatching He's them out. just hatching them yeah. out, and so his connection to the upside down is, yeah, literally that there's. Something from there inside him. He's a surrogate mama. Yeah. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Just a question. Mm. With 11, yep. do we think there were 10 other ones? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absol- cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to see any more of them? I don't even think about Ooh. that. Could see other 11s. That'd, That'd be, be cool. interesting. Mm. Or terrible. Who knows? <laughs> it, well, well, it could be cool. Mm. The point being, I don't know if I have too many other theories beyond that. Eleven's no, going to make her way back somehow. I would assume so, yeah. Um, you can't get rid of Eleven. I'm worried what a character like... Like, Hopper's got stuff going on. I'm worried what a character like Joyce gets to do in the next season. Um, mm. Will is such a motivating factor for her. And well, he's clearly not out of danger. No, he's not out of danger, but he's also there. He's not lost mm. anymore. She doesn't need to get to Will. She doesn't need to save Will. Yeah, but um, I think like because it's interesting s- that Will just ends up looks like. Spoil. Uh, we've I've actually seen both trailers. You've seen the one trailer. Yeah, but some people at home mightn't have. You can't talk about. Them. Okay, I don't won't even, talk about the trailers. No, but you don't. all should go watch the thriller trailer because it's good and doesn't give anything away. Just turn it off once it goes to black. Or just don't towards watch it. the last twenty seconds. No, watch it. It's really good. It got um, me so hyped. I think like it'll be while yeah. Will is there, um, because we've seen how close Will and Joyce are. If she feels a distance there and he's clearly there's something wrong with him and he won't open up to her i think that's going to be really challenging for joyce what can we give nancy jonathan and steve to do this season that's better scholarships to universities <laughs> out of state i think <laughs> maybe that'd be great yeah who knows they're they might no make cool who knows I think it's time we wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, you can please do so by searching for us on Facebook, Hunting Seasons, that is. Search for Hunting Seasons. Find us on Twitter at Hunting Scast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E 
S Damask. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Uh, thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net. And also thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. Please, 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 please consider giving us some reviews, some stars, some positive words on whatever whatever network or service you find us on. That might include iTunes. That might include Google Play. That might include Spotify, apparently. If not now, in the very near future. I can't mention anyone specifically. So whatever you uh, find us on, please review us on that. Uh, Next week, we'll be back reviewing, not long after watching it probably, Mm. we have to binge this, season two of Stranger Things, which neither of us have seen, obviously, because it's not out yet. (laughs) And uh, after all that concerns thing, are you excited? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah, the thriller trailer. This is why it's just the thriller trailer. I'm excited, gets just me super excited. Yeah, just for the event of like something coming out, and we're all going to watch it together. You know, like as a community. You know what I mean? Like that excites me. I've as well. got a similar amount of anxiety, excitement, anxiety, anxiety for it that I do for um, Star Wars Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. It's like I love. I'm really happy with how that first one went. Fuck, I hope the next one's good too, because yeah. I, I really want it to be good. God, I hope it's good. <laughs> In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week for Stranger Things Season 2. Catch you later. Bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.